Chag Sameach, Chag Yerushalayim Sameach, everybody. Believe it or not, five minutes after 6 a.m. on this Yom Yerushalayim morning. And yes, believe it, we are in Jerusalem. We are set to celebrate for the next three hours. We are set to bring you some of these sights and sounds of Jerusalem on this incredible Jerusalem day. It is the 24th of May and the 28th of ER, a day that we have been anticipating, believe it or not, for over uh, six months, and the Jewish people have been waiting for, um, uh, before 50 years ago, had been waiting for, for almost 2,000 years. It is the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. We are on Facebook Live. You can watch the whole thing now at Nachum Siegel Network, also with Amit Children. Uh, you can log on to Amit Children. We are sharing it, correct, in the Nachum Siegel Network page? We are sharing it. And, um, of course, you could hear us on the NSN app. We'll be welcoming in our friends from Amit who are doing amazing work in Israel, and they have brought us here to the observation deck of Aisha Torah so that we have Harabayit and the Kotel and the Kotel Plaza and the uh, the old Jewish quarter, as I like to call it. Some people call it the Muslim quarter. I call it the old Jewish quarter and the southern area of Yushalayim and Harazetim and uh, all of this behind us as we broadcast on this very special Yom Yushalayim day. I say Chag Sameach to Miriam El Wallach who is here. How are you? Chag Sameach to you. We made it here. We've had a couple of amazing days in Israel. Even the days that the President of the United States was here were still pretty amazing. Even the, the days. With all the difficulties that he may have caused in terms of traffic, etc. Right. Uh, but we've enjoyed our visit to Nefesh Benefesh. We've enjoyed our visit to Yad Sarai yesterday, which I thought was just a really comprehensive and incredible uh, show filled with so much material. I hope people out there really paid attention and gained from it. And today we'll be speaking to our friends from Amit. In the 8 o'clock hour, we will, of course, play the sounds of 1967 sure. and show everybody in audio fashion what was going on behind us, literally behind us, just over those two walls or two areas, I should say, of Harabayit. Um we also want to thank back our, in 1967, and we want to thank our friends from Mizrahi. You were a you were a wonderful host of the media, the Israel and media session yesterday, uh, where you were joined by um, Yaakov Katz from Yaakov Jerusalem Katz Post. And Baruch Gordon were there, right? Baruch Gordon, who's a founder of Arutz Sheva, correct? And that was a, I mean, a pin drop. You could hear a pin drop in that room. Everyone was was listening to every word, every point of discussion. It was really a fascinating, fascinating session. You did a great job Thank moderating, you. keeping you know keeping the crowds at bay, so to speak. There were some very energized individuals. And well, the media and Israel is always a very passionate subject. Yes, and then the number one question that we what happened to be the last question of the session about the Jerusalem Post right. carrying New York Times material only for Yaakov to announce. He revealed that they will stop their association with the New York Times at that level and they will not be uh, at random reprinting or borrowing material from the New York Times to use in the Jerusalem Post. Starting June 1st. Starting June the 1st. Starting June say. 1st. There will still be a, the crossword puzzle, right, which was that, a big moment. That was a development that uh, went very well with the crowd at the Mizrahi. Yes, and then he joked that he wished some of the other comments he had <laughs> made during the session would have gotten that kind of response. But but it was, uh, it was a fascinating, fascinating session. And then you were invited uh, to MC the closing session as well. Yeah, to preside over that closing session with Natan Sharansky, Rabbi Lau, the three soldiers that we know as the three paratroopers from the Kotal from 50 years ago, and of course, the son of Rav Goren. That was one incredible uh, uh, honor for me. And I, I'll, I'm, I may save this for when we um, uh, recap the trip on, on one of our broadcasts, um, maybe even on your own network show that you do. Um, sitting next to Natan Sharansky as those three paratroopers were speaking 
was a very interesting experience. Because mm. remember, many of you know that it was the Six-Day War that spurred a tremendous amount of religious identity and Jewish identity among the Soviet refuseniks. And, um, and that was a very... It was watching him um, affirm some of the words that were being said uh, by the soldiers in that presentation was very interesting. In addition, um, he also mentioned that Yoni Netanyahu... Yes. Of blessed memory was a very had a very big effect on him Correct. around the time of his sentencing to death in Russia. Right, uh, not Yoni's sentencing, referring of course to Natan Sharansky, and uh, that was also interesting. We'll talk more about that as we get into it during one of our broadcasts. Um, so there's been a lot going on. I, I thank the Mizrahi. It was also an honor to be a part of their big presentation Monday night when they really gathered everyone together to celebrate Jerusalem with some unique programming and a big concert with Yaakov Shweki to round out the night. And it was great to be there for that. And one thing we did do, and we did experience over all these days, is uh, there is a tremendous following, thank God, for the work that we are doing, and a really, really um, a big, uh, a really significant amount of appreciation, especially in the religious Zionist community. People who love Israel, people who made Israel this important stop in their May season, uh, those who uh, made it their business to be here and to celebrate. Uh, Jerusalem's 50th with us and with everybody, it's obvious that we are providing content that I can frankly say is not available anywhere else. And I'm glad that we could bring this type of inspiration and this type of information to people uh, who want it and need it and really enjoy it. Uh, so that's been uh, also an amazing feeling this week. Today is day number 43 in the counting of the Omer, day number 43. If you forgot to count last night, Make sure to do so sometime today. We have Yoni Pollock doing our engineering. Want to welcome Seth Gordon. Want to welcome Barry and Simon Jacob, who promised they'd be here today. And look at that. They kept another promise, which they always do. And Barry, and, sa and Barry saved me. And we know Barry saved you yes. with the earplugs that Correct. you're wearing. Correct. Earplugs under the headset is just key. And we also know that uh, we have representatives here from Yeshiva Torah Shraga and from Yeshiva Akotel, the nearby neighbors of the... Uh, of Aisha Torah, who are with us as well, and I'm sure other guests will be joining us. Amit, Amit, you know, we, we spoke to Andy Goldsmith. I don't know how many weeks ago you started the conversation with him. Andy Goldsmith, who's one of our favorites yes. in the world of Jewish communal life, he <laughs> is one of our favorites. It's serious. Uh, he's such a wonderful person and, and gets everything that we do. Mm -hmm. um, and we proposed this idea of having this broadcast somewhere in Jerusalem with our friends at Amit, bringing us to whatever location they wished, speaking about their incredible work in the state of Israel and Jerusalem, being part of the sights and sounds when we bring them to, when we bring them to our audience during the 8 o'clock hour when we relive the moments of 50 years ago. And boy, he and his lay leadership were all into this project. So I say thank you to them. We're going to meet a lot of Amit representatives here. Uh, each one of them, I re reviewed the, the list I've been given. Each one of them has varied topics to discuss with a lot of things happening here in Israel. They take great pride in their work that they they do in Israel on a regular basis, and we'll have an opportunity to hopefully encourage others to follow their example and get more involved in organizations that are doing great work on behalf of children and education and Israel in general. So thank you, Amit. We are looking forward to this. We'll get started with some of our guests and get our official welcome, actually, from one of the past presidents of the organization coming up. By the way, I skipped over the most important part. I think they would agree when we, and you specifically, made this proposal and worked out all the details with them. Uh, we did give them the choice of venue, and I think you even sure. bounced around a few different ideas with them. And we both were so thrilled, both Amit and the Nahum Siegel Network, 
were thrilled when they chose and encouraged us to come to the promenade to the observation deck here at Aisha Torah. And Aish, we know, is great. We've had plenty of experiences with them before. Thank you, Rabbi Berg, and everybody else. And Aish is really hosting both of us as Amit hosts us on this very special occasion. Well, shout out, first of all, to Yossi Friedman, who specifically got you a bag of (laughs) six small bottles of Fanta because he remembered that when we were here last year, Nachum very much enjoyed Fanta. So Keeps you going here. Close Yeah, but it also just shows the relationships that we have built with different organizations, different wonderful organizations over the last five years. And I feel that way about Amit. I feel that way about all the different organizations with which with whom we have partnered over the last five years, but specifically this week. I mean, we were at Nefesh Benefesh, we were at Yad Sarah, who's new to the Nahum Siegel Network, right. but we we have wonderful, wonderful promise with them. And to our friends at Amit, we've done programming with them before. We've invited them on the air before. Janine Kay is a repeat guest on the on That's Life on my program. We love Andy Goldsmith. We've said that before. Tomorrow we'll be with Ateret Kohanim as well. They'll be featured guests on our Thursday Yom Yerushalayim Yom Chevron program. We just, and then of course, One Israel Fund Correct. closes up the week for us. We have we a are, lot of great people we're associated exactly, with. Exactly. We have a lot of great organizations with which we are associated and I personally feel very blessed. We are lucky to be here this week. Mizrahi, again, one of our wonderful partners. Mizrahi brought us here, and it's a privilege to be here this week. It's a privilege to do this work. It's a privilege to be here this week, and it's a privilege to work with these organizations. It certainly is, and uh, and because of, of, of the groups that you mentioned, specifically today, Amit, we've been able to not only do what many thousands did, and that's be last night as close to Harabayit as is easily accessible, uh, some people call that the Kotel. Uh, and to be there this morning and to celebrate and be part of all of this that's going on behind us. But in addition, we got to do this radio broadcast from this incredible place and really relive what happened 50 years ago in such a unique fashion. So we salute Amit. We'll welcome them. They're going to welcome us coming up. It is a Wednesday here at JM the AM. We are celebrating Yerushalayim as only one can properly, which is being in Jerusalem uh, right near Harabayit. And listening to all the singing and dancing and all the groups that have just been permeating the air with song and with celebration. The flags are flying. This is something that we've been talking about since the moment we landed, how the country looks spectacular in general, especially with the uh, presidential visit that just ended. The country was all dressed up beautifully on the roads that you travel. Here in Yerushalayim, you see the incredible flags and the and uh, and all of the um, streamers, the blue and white streamers that are strewn about. Uh, the thin flags that uh, go down the large, tall buildings yeah, those in Jerusalem are, are really cool. Though, did you see the one around the Chorva Synagogue? Yeah, I, that's, oh. I took that picture on Yomat's here. Oh, that's right. And I posted, and it's just, that's beautiful. That's how they right. did it, but it's beautiful. You have, I mean, what an... I have taken a picture of every flag I've that seen. That is true, to the point where people are commenting, um, you posted that already, you posted that already. I mean, I but just But you've been here, Yom HaTzma'ut and, and Yom, Yom Yerushalayim. Yom HaTzma'ut was a sort of a bittersweet moment as you came here for... Um, for you know, for it, friends, exactly, and stayed for Yomatz Wood. Correct. That's a good way. That's a good way to put it. And here we're here, Yom Yerushalayim, which is totally a dream come true for so many for so many people. Hayinu I'll give you a couple of Yom Yerushalayim memories coming up. Uh, more happening here at JM in the AM. Here's Eitan Katz. We are singing about Yerushalayim. We are uh, talking about Yerushalayim. We are enjoying Yerushalayim. And our friends at Amit are uh, helping us do it on this Wednesday from the observation deck at Aisha Torah. You're listening to Ayom Yerushalayim, Chag Yerushalayim Sameach at JM in the AM. Yerushalayim. 
In the AM, Chag Yerushalayim Sameach, everybody. Thanks to our friends at Amit, and a big welcome from our friends at Eishat Torah. We are on their observation deck, and to both Amit and the Nachum Single Network, thank everybody here at Eishat Torah. No better place to be any day of the year, but today, 50 years after the reunification of Jerusalem, what an incredible sight behind us. You can watch all of this on Facebook Live. Amit Children has a Facebook page. Correct, we are. Nachum Single Network has a Facebook page. Right. You can watch it all on Facebook Live right now as we speak. Uh, that video, I guess, will be there forever. Uh, in addition to that, um, you could listen to everything right now on the Nahum Single Network app. At some point, I'm sure you'll be looking at those comments that people are posting on the app. That was a subtle hint for me to do. Well, it. later, okay. not not okay. yet. Okay. And uh, and of course, the website at NahumSingle.com. You know, uh, what we always ask um, the major Jewish organizations when we partner with them to do is provide somebody to give us an official welcome. I wonder who it's going to be this time. I, I have a feeling that they made an excellent choice. Uh, well, they, they usually do make good choices, yes. but I wonder who's going to have that responsibility coming up a few minutes from now for the dramatic welcome <laughs> of the Nachum Siegel Network no to the Amit Inner Circle on this very special day. should be very interesting, and we'll find out. By the way, a couple of Yom Yushalayim memories, if I may, and some of our listeners may actually recall some of this. Well, the first one they won't. Because the first time I was ever in Yerushalayim for Yom Yerushalayim was in 1980. That was a long, long time ago. Wow. But 28 years ago today, 28 years ago today, Mayor Weingarten and I, uh, the day after I got engaged, oh. I flew to Israel. Right. And Mayor Weingarten and I uh, arrived here. I believe Yom Yerushalayim was a Friday that year, if I'm not mistaken. And on that Friday, Erev Shabbos, um, now I, even, I don't even know if they would celebrate Yom Yerushalayim on a Friday anymore. I don't think they would do it. I think they'd move it to Thursday. 
um, because of Shabbos. I, but then I believe it was a Friday, and we arrive here in Israel, and that Friday afternoon, we were at the corner, get this, because you know the geography, we were at the corner of King George and Ramban in the coffee shop of the King's Hotel okay. doing a show in honor of Yom Yerushalayim. It was 28 years ago that we did what I would call now the first Yom Yerushalayim special. And we sat there and watched all the incredible things going on, celebrations galore in the center of town. And we were able to convey all of this to the people back in the U.S. Now we get the opportunity to convey it to people around the world. So no matter where you are right now, if you're watching on Facebook Live, listening on the Nachum Siegel Network, this is where we are. 28 years later, we've replaced Mayor Weingarten with Miriam Wallach. <laughs> and Some although, people would say that's a step down. Oh, well, I, exactly. I might argue that. Yeah, and, yeah. Just kidding, of course. And No the, jokes. We're too close I'm to I'm sorry about that. Yeah. And and uh, Mayor will join us in, a, in sort of in a fashion because whenever we play the, right. uh, the sounds of 1967, his commentary is there with it. And we'll do that in the 8 o'clock hour but here we are all these years later is mayor joining you tomorrow couldn't believe i'm not sure okay celebrating 40 10 years ago in, in an atmosphere that i described the most unusual and incredible flood that happened that day in Yerushalayim, and 10 years after that now during the 50th on this glorious day in jerusalem watching all the celebrations people look at this people still streaming to the Kotel Amaravi, to the Western Wall, as close as possible to easily access the area of Harabayat, and to be here to celebrate together. And one of the things I'm sure you noticed over the last day is the number of children, oh. little, young children. Super cute Who children. are just so glad yeah. that their playground for today, excuse the term, is the Kotel Plaza. Yeah, and they're running around having the most amazing time. For many of them, I'm sure it's the only time they're here during the year is Yom Yerushalayim. They come from all over Israel. And the children are enjoying. Um, we, we saw throngs of elementary school children, high school youngsters, all singing and dancing. Once you get to the college age and you see the celebrations taking place inside the Kotel Plaza with the circles of men and women on each side and the flags of Israel in the center of those circles, it is one of the most remarkable sights you've ever seen. And those of you who've been part of it or have been here for Yom Atzimut or for Yom Yushalayim in the past, you know exactly what we're talking about. So that's where we're sitting right now. We're sitting with great people from Amit. We're sitting with wonderful people from Eishat Torah. We're sitting with our colleagues at the Nachum Siegel Network. And all of us are basking in this incredible sight that is behind us on this very special day. Young and old are moved today. I had the opportunity to daven at the Kotel earlier this morning. The the uh, Yeshivot Hezder davening started at 7.30. Right. I got here way before then. But the number, and, and I was so lucky to be able to get you know, exactly to the Kotel, which is obviously prime location. You want to get as close as you can. If you're able to touch it, it's exciting in and of itself. If you're able to daven, right, oh, yeah. you know, right, Liad HaKotel, right next to the Kotel, it's, it's an unbelievable thing. But I found myself completely overwhelmed with emotion. I saw the woman next to me completely overwhelmed with emotion. Even children are just mystified because they're not, even if, the ki even if kids, and you're mentioning how excited they are, but even if they don't know just the gravity of the moment, they feel the gravity of the moment because they're looking at adults who are just overtaken by emotion. And I, I found myself crying just walking into 
into the rova and I found myself humming. I saw other people singing and whatever. You just, you couldn't not do it. And Hard I, to contain your excitement absolutely. in a day like today. I joked with somebody that I forgot to bring my sitter with me to the hotel, but I remembered my tissues. <laughs> and, I was, and she said to me, well, they have Sederm at the hotel, so it's a good thing you brought your tissues. And I needed them, and so did the woman next to me, and so did somebody else. How could you not? And uh, the soldiers, as you'll hear later oh, in this yes. broadcast, who liberated Jerusalem and liberated the Western Wall and Harabayat, some of them, in fact, also were extremely emotional. And that's all coming up in our third hour this morning here at JMEA. And we're going to go to this selection, and then we're going to meet the uh, representative who's been chosen by Amit to officially Welcome us here to Jerusalem, to our mobile studio on the balcony on the observation deck of Eish HaTorah. And we'll get our official welcome coming up. I'm excited about this. Yeah, um, let's go. I always feel prominent when we get these official well, these ribbon cuttings and official welcomes and groundbreakings. Those are the coolest things. Okay, you things. are stressing out, Mrs. Stein. No, hey, okay. don't reveal anything <laughs> yet. Uh, meanwhile, we'll go to this selection. Facebook Live has us both at the Nachum Single Network and on Amit Children. Uh, we're live on the Nachum Single Network. You can comment on the app, on the NSN app. If you don't have the NSN app, get it into your phone immediately and comment about how much you love the city of Jerusalem. You're listening to JM in the AM. Chag Sameach. Jerusalem, I can still recall The first time I laid eyes upon your golden wall Jerusalem, my your very name Brings the images of my year with you Rushing back again Jerusalem, my your precious stone Tells the story of J.M. in the A.M. That's right. Here we are celebrating Jerusalem. We're celebrating with song. We're celebrating with great conversation. We are celebrating with this incredible view behind us. And right now we're celebrating our friends at Amit because we have the official, and I'm not kidding, this is the official welcome of the Nachum Siegel Network to this um, a presentation by Amit on the uh, promenade on the observation deck of Eishat Torah. 
Uh, past president of Amit is Francine Stein. She is part of this large and dedicated delegation to Jerusalem celebrating Jerusalem 50. Francine Stein, welcome to JM in the AM. Look at the round of applause you're getting. I'm getting tremendous applause. Anyway, uh, I would like to welcome you to Amit as well and Thank to you. our Yom Yerushalayim mission. We are really very excited to have you join us. Thank uh, you. You're a big supporter of Amit, and we, uh, we're thrilled to be able to be part of your show today. I appreciate that official welcome. Amit, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is... Uh, not 50 years old, like the reunification of Jerusalem. I think Amit is closer to a 90 or 100 years we're, old. At this point, we're 92 years 92 old. 92 years old, Amit is. We were founded in 1925 as American Mizrahi women. Maybe people remember that sure. before we became Amit. And Amit is currently a huge network in, uh, in Israel. It's a network of schools. We currently have 110 schools and programs throughout the state of Israel. And what makes it special to be part of a network is that we have a central management uh, guide in uh, Petach Tikva. And uh, we have and our, all of our schools and all of our programs adhere to the same philosophy by uh, this management. And we, we strive to uh, promote Zionism mm. amongst our students. We teach them Jewish values. We teach them uh, service to the country, service to the community. And all of our schools and programs, because we are part of this network, adhere to the same principles. So there's a central part of the network, as you described, and all of the schools get to follow uh, the same system, the same philosophy, same goals, et cetera, et cetera, all throughout the country. Exactly. And what's nice about being part of a network also is that the teachers and the principals mentor each other and give each other support. I've spoken to a number of teachers and principals who have taught in other schools, and they said the, the support and the guidance and the love that they get from the Amit uh, headquarters, it really makes them better teachers and makes the schools better. And we empower our principals by giving them training, and who then go out and empower our teachers. Phenomenal. Francine Stein is here past president of Amit. I must ask you this question. After all, you know what today is. Um, so many organizations try to bring delegations for this 50th anniversary to Israel. Some succeeded, others did not. It is amazing what Amit has done, that there is such a devotion to the state of Israel and the city of Jerusalem that you were able to put together a group like this. Were you surprised that so many Amit members expressed an interest in being here today? I think it exceeded, I was expecting a very nice turnout, but the turnout really exceeded my expectations. And I think part of the reason is that uh, Amit has been an integral part of the state of Israel for since its inception. And uh, Yerushalayim is certainly the center of Israel for all, for so many of us. And people wanted to join us. We have a wonder, we had a wonderful itinerary. We saw not only Amit things, but we really gave people a flavor of what the country is like and what Yom Yerushalayim is all about. All right. When did you first get involved with the organization? How long ago? I've been involved since I'm a child. I'm a life member since I'm six years old. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's really... You can't get out, huh? <laughs> it's been in my blood. My grandmother was a very active member. Wow. And Rebbe Tzinchana Danishevsky. And she really taught me so much about the organization. She transmi transmitted it to my mother. And here I am. Unbelievable. And um, what years did you serve as president? When did, the, when did the presidential term end? I was president of Amit from 2007 through 2011. Is that a lot of pressure? Is it a difficult job? How would you describe it to those 
those who wonder if they should get involved I at think that level. Everybody should get involved at that level. It was in a very it was a very exciting time. It was not without its day-to-day uh, -day stresses, but as I say to people, being involved on a hands-on basis, knowing what's going on in schools, knowing what's going on in the state of Israel, being impo important to those decisions um, was really very exciting and um, it was truly an honor to be able to do that. It was a very it was a highlight of my life. All right, what do you think of today? Is there one story, one uh, site you saw, something that distinguished uh, you know, itself from everything else that's going on here today throughout this big celebration? Well, we had the opportunity to do the walk of the paratroopers uh. earlier this morning. And what was really amazing was I, I was overcome with emotion as I walked through the Lion's Gate and realized that this is where the Liberators came 50 years ago. And I had tears in my eyes as we did that. And it was really a momentous time to be able to follow those footsteps of those heroic soldiers. Pretty amazing. It is really an incredible and wonderful day. And a fantastic anniversary to celebrate together. We are told you are a developmental pediatrician in addition to all the work you're doing with Amit and for the Jewish world. Yes, I specialize in children who have developmental disabilities. I have a private practice in Englewood, um, which I do part-time because I need time really to do my other volunteer work. <laughs> That's amazing that you're able to have time for both of them, I'll tell you that much. And is this an area that, I, I mean, I would suspect it just continues to grow because of all the different things that... Uh, uh, or, or different special situations that families and children are now in. Oh, right? absolutely. Absolutely. There's so many different field, uh, different problems that children experience. And uh, luckily, there's so many uh, different opportunities for different kinds of therapies and programs. And that's also what's, what attracts me to Amit as well, because as I said, we had 110 programs in schools, and no two are alike. Each one has a unique focus, whether it's on children who are advanced or children who have special needs, children from the periphery. Um, everyone is almost tailor-made for each student. And I would guess that those that do serve this same population that you served back in the U.S. Uh, are, are even more advanced than they were when you were president. I would guess every single year they have new developments here in those areas. Absolutely. The the changes are great and I always say, you know, the earlier you get to these kids, the better they are and the more successes they will have and that's what we try to do. What can you and I do to convince more and more people to visit Israel? What strategy could we develop to get more and more people to come and enjoy the Holy Land and sites like this? Um, I think constantly publicizing it as you're doing is very important. Um, I think we have to go home and talk about what we've seen. Uh, I think that that's the only way and just to convince people to come and create programs the way we created that are attractive to people because there's really no, uh, no replacement for coming and seeing. Uh, Francine Stein is past president of Amit. She is here to welcome us and give us the official start to a very interesting broadcast that we have for you at JM in the AM. Uh, I know there are 110 schools. It would probably be dangerous for someone like yourself to single one out. But if I had time to visit one of them, give me an example of a great one to go see as an example. I would go to Beersheba. Beersheba is really a microcosm of Amit because we have um, a, a Makif there, a, a high school there, but we also have educational uh, elementary schools there. We have Yeshivot there. So I would go to Beersheba because it really runs the gamut of what Amit does. It has everything that we do all in one city. And you alluded to this earlier. One of the things about Amit is that you have uh, an amazing opportunity to serve children in these educational institutions from a very diverse background, really from the entire um, 
the entire um, uh, uh, gamut of Israeli society. And I know that that's very important. After all, we always talk about Jewish unity. You have a chance to really bring people together in that way. We really do. I mean, 70% of the children that we serve come from the periphery. And when I say periphery, I don't only mean periphery geogra geographically. Right. I mean periphery uh, socioeconomically as well. And we, we are able to give these children all the tools for success. And by giving them an excellent education and a values education, not just you know academics, and they really become productive members of our society. I think about 92% of our graduates go on to do national service or the army. Phenomenal. So it shows the uh, it shows the level of devotion and the level of education and the type of education we give our kids. And I'm sure the group that's with you is very proud that they are supporters of those types of institutions. And we should mention when you say schools, you're not just talking about the schools in major areas or big cities. It could be what, what are called youth villages, surrogate family residences, other programs in both big and small areas of Israel. Uh, you really, when they, when you say that Amit has the entire state covered, you really have it from top to bottom. Right, and actually we are the only government-recognized network uh, of religious education in, the, in Israel. Very nice. There you have it. Since 1925, Amit's been doing a great job, and somehow they've stayed 92 years young. You don't find many 92-year-olds who are considered young, but Amit is, right? We are. We we're constantly <laughs> growing. We're constantly innovating, and I think you'll hear more about that later in the program, about some of the innovative education that we do. Francine, I thank you very much. By the way, uh, what do we think of how Francine did with the official welcome of the Nachum Single Network? Did pretty well, huh? Thank you so much thank for joining us. Thank you very much for being here. Francine Stein is past president of Amit. She has uh, fulfilled her function perfectly, welcoming us and kicking off a wonderful Yom Yerushalayim here at JM in the AM. Uh, we are celebrating with Amit. We are celebrating with our friends at Eishat Torah. We are on their observation deck here in Jerusalem. If you're watching on Facebook Live at Amit Children or if you're watching Facebook Live, Nahum Siegel Network, you are seeing the most remarkable sight behind us. We have Harabayit, we have the Kotel, we have the amazing Kotel Plaza right below from where we are sitting and where we are situated. This is a day to celebrate. We are your eyes and ears because I can tell you that I saw and heard amazing celebrations going on starting at sunset last night, lasting all the way until now, and we're anticipating even more going on throughout Jerusalem all through the day. It is one of those incredible days in Yerushalayim and remarkable days in Israel that we love to be at. Uh, Randy Gelman is with us. She is classified as an incoming Yoshevet Rosh. And first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. A pleasure to meet you. And could you explain what a Yoshevet Rosh is? A Yoshevet Rosh is the big boss. The big boss? The big boss, yes. Now, what does that mean? In, uh, you have to explain to me. Uh, is that, is that president? Is that head of school? What is it's it? It's a title they have in Israel. Oh, is that what it is? Yes. And what is your role exactly? My role is to head the, uh, the executive board that sits in Israel that uh, we represent, are represented by Americans and by Israelis, and we work together to be the ambassadors for Reshet Amit, for its donors, and, uh, and for, the, for our students. So while many of the people we see here today are 6,000 miles away from what Amit does on a regular basis, you're on the spot paying careful attention to make sure things are operating the way they should. Yes, and as the parent of two alumni Very of nice. Reshet Amit. Yes. Uh, why would an Israeli parent send their child to an Amit school? Because Amit offers the best possible innovative, value-based education to a child anywhere in Israel, no matter what their starting point, no matter where they are geographically, socioeconomically, or intellectually. 
Amit has solutions and um, student student tailored uh, education for the students of Israel. How do parents, who I guess uh, are often weighing whether their child should be in a public school, private or otherwise, how do they discover uh, the greatness of the Amit schools and match it up to their children? Well, if they read the newspapers, they would read a lot about the wonderful things that are going on in our schools. Um, the Ministry of Education just uh, did a survey of all the networks in Israel, and the Amit network was rated top in all the parameters that it chose to test. So that in and of itself would be a reason. I would say that's a pretty good um, piece of news. <laughs> and then the core values that Amit represents. Right, and the word gets around. I hope it's getting around. And they find around. out from other parents that their children benefited from Absolutely. it. And all of a sudden you have you have people from all over Israel wanting to be part of an Amit yes. school. Randy Gelman's here, incoming Yoshevet Rosh for Amit. Uh, so then uh, for those of us uh, in the United States who are used to specific terms, is Amit in fact a public school in Israel? Is it classified otherwise? How is it considered? Amit is a network of schools that are the public schools in certain municipalities and they are private schools in other parts of the country. So it depends where it, it is. It depends where it is, it depends on the municipality and on the individual school. Right, and you said you're a parent of two alumni. Two alumni, And that yes. would be in which school, what area my of the country? My daughter, I live in Renana for 32 years. Wow. Uh, my daughter. Your English is still pretty good, by the way. Working on it. <laughs> uh, my daughter was uh, is a graduate of Amit Rinanim, the girls' public school, where she got a wonderful education. My son is an alumnus of 12 years that he spent in Kfarbatya. He wow. spent six years in the Noam School and another six years in what is now part of the Gwen Strauss Technology School. Very nice. Well, a lot of unique things about the Amit schools, that's for sure. And a special message for those who came all the way from the United States to be part of this mission and to celebrate Jerusalem and to see up close and personal some of Amit's work. What would you say to everybody who's gathered here? Well, I hope you're all enjoying this very special day. And I hope you've all enjoyed the special Amit touches that we've had on this mission, getting to see our, our wonderful schools, the programming that we offer, whether it be in Yerucham, where we really are educating most of, this, of the city. We have seven children applying for one open spot in the schools in Yerucham. Oh, boy. And we were, we were welcomed at the Rehovot Junior College, where we are training our future Air Force technicians. And we Very were, impressive. Yes. And we were also in uh, Modi'in where we got to meet a wonderful variety of students with skills, be they music, carpentry, cyber, we've got it all. And with all that, they still have time to celebrate Jerusalem. Thank we For Jerusalem, we make time, don't um, we? We certainly do. Randy Gelman, thank you so much. There you have it, everybody. You want to know why there's a great network of schools? We've uh, gotten certainly a good explanation there. Uh, Amit has hosted us for this, uh, and is continuing to host us for this remarkable Yom Yushalayim program from the uh, promenade, the observation deck at Aisha Torah, with a wonderful crowd, incredible sights and sounds of Jerusalem. The big 5-0 is all over the place. That's right, the big 5-0 is everywhere in this country as we are celebrating Yushalayim 50. We're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. Behind us, if you're watching on Facebook Live, you might be watching watching right now on uh, both Amit Children and on the Nahum Siegel Network 
uh, Facebook pages. Uh, we are live in front of Harabayat. That's what's behind us, everybody. It's the uh, Temple Mount, the Kotel Amaravi, the Kotel Plaza. We know what happened 50 years ago uh, today at that very spot. We'll speak more about it later on. And we are celebrating Yom Yerushalayim with our friends at Amit here at JM in the AM. Our good friend Sam Moed is here. Sam Moed is introducing to us something called Gogia. Is that the correct pronunciation? Very good. It is Gogia, Pedagogical Innovation. And we're going to find out what it is and what it's all about. Sam Moed, who's been an ardent supporter of Amit, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Now, who would have thought we'd been here? We, Looking back at MHS, that we'd be sitting here at the 50th anniversary of it is remarkable. the reunification of Jerusalem together. We know each other a long time. Good and to be here with you. The first time I actually was uh, in Israel for Yom Yerushalayim was uh, about the time that we, that we first met 40-some years ago. And here we are, as you say, on Jerusalem 50. What a great place to be. All right, uh, the word Gogia, it's foreign to me. Could you explain? Yes, yeah, so I, I think the best place to start is by saying that Although we're in the startup nation, education in Israel has, is still very conventional in the way that it's structured. Frontal teaching, a focus on exams, the matriculation exams, um, very, very, what we would call a standard education. And for a country that wants to be the most technologically advanced, the country in Israel has to have an education that's the most educationally advanced and innovative. Hmm. So Gogia at its core is about educational innovation. And Ami, to its great credit, has taken up the challenge of developing advanced, innovative 21st century learning in Israel for Amit and for teachers across the country. Boy, okay, you have to give us some examples of how this works and what it's all about. So, Gogia, on the one hand, is a state-of-the-art center for professional development located in Ranana on a beautiful campus. Uh, it brings teachers in. Educational reform and transformation has to first start with teachers. They deliver the education, obviously. So the teachers are brought in. They're essentially taught how to how to rethink the way that they teach, to engage students differently. Even Less, veteran teachers can Even do veteran teachers. I've spoken to those teachers. Um, it is incredibly hard to do. Many of them have been teaching for a long time, but they fundamentally understand that in order to produce the kinds of students they want to produce, they've got to adopt new teaching methods. Right. So they come in, they go through immersive professional development at Gogia that teaches them about project-based learning, about new curriculum, about how to leverage technology. Oh, we've heard some of those terms in the U.S. Exactly. Uh, and that is then brought back into the classroom. And the teachers have a very integral part in terms of then designing curriculum for their schools, for their students. Uh, that take advantage and leverage these 21st century methods. And it helps us as a startup nation, as you put it, because it is 21st century methods. We are getting more out of our students than we would have with conventional methods only. Exactly. We need, Israel needs to be producing students that have all of the educational tools to be a 21st century country and leading in technology. And to Amit's credit, it's really stepped up and the government has partnered with it. And I think there have been close to 500 Amit teachers who have now gotten the intensive training at Gogia and close to 17,000 teachers from across the country who have also had exposure through Amit's Gogia state-of-the-art center of excellence for, for uh, education. So my next question was going to be if all 110 branches could possibly benefit from this with the numbers you just they, mentioned, it's they, obvious they have. They are, they are, and they're partnered, and it's not a cookie-cutter approach. It's about engaging the teachers, 
to understand the methods, but then to bring them back and apply them in ways that make sense for their school in Beersheba or their school in Cholon or their school in Ranana. When tr someone tries to innovate and uh, incorporate some of the things you mentioned, must they change the classroom? Do you need different type of furniture? Do you need open classrooms at times? Uh, does the physical structure of the classroom change when you try to incorporate these programs? So, so it absolutely does. And in addition to the investment that Amit is making in educating teachers to teach in the 21st century, Amit is also making a significant investment in, in both retrofitting existing schools to be able to be more open space, more conducive to project-based learning, uh, smaller spaces for students to get together and collaborate, and also we building... Will, we will not find 40 students in a, in a room you, at Amit. You will not, uh, and, uh, and certainly all the new schools that are being built are being built in a way that is mu much more conducive to 21st century learning. Sam and that's Moed. all part of Gogia. Sam Moed is here. Uh, by the way, those of you watching on Facebook Live, the only thing we were not able to control is the sun, and apparently our <laughs> Facebook Live uh, conked out for a drop because the mechanism got too hot. How do you like that? For those of you in the U.S. who might not be enjoying the weather we have here, we are back up. And uh, you can see our entire broadcast if you go to Facebook Live, both with Amit Children and the Nahum Siegel Network. How uh, long ago did you first get involved with Amit? Oh, I've been involved with I mean, My family has been involved for two generations. Oh, uh, and for me personally, uh, I've been involved probably since I was a teenager. So you knew all about it growing up. So I, I was. It's kind of in mother's milk. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's part of the DNA. And to me also... Uh, from a personal point of view, my passion is Jewish education. I believe it is the single most transformative thing that we can do for Jewish continuity. So it was natural to be involved in Amit, which is doing exactly that in Israel, the most progressive, the most innovative, and, and frankly, the best results of the educational networks that we have here in Israel. Being this involved, does it get you to Israel more often than if you weren't? I'm happy to say that it does, <laughs> and that every time I come here, I try to visit an Amit school, I meet educators, students, and each time I continue to be impressed and inspired. I'm going to ask Sam Moed, uh, selfishly, I'm going to ask Sam Moed to repeat for our audience something that he mentioned to me just a couple of nights ago. Uh, you, you seem to indicate that Yom Yerushalayim, especially for those outside of Israel, would not be the same if not for the audio that we're able to present and really bring everyone back in history to that day 50 years ago. So I have to thank you, Nachum, because typically... I'm on the New Jersey Turnpike <laughs> on the morning of Yom Yerushalayim, and I turn on your show, and your rebroadcast of the live moments of the recordings when the paratroopers came into Yerushalayim and liberated it are to me what marks my day of celebration every year, it makes it special, and it's kind of fitting that we're here together this year. I don't have to listen to the recordings. I can be here sitting next to you. You'll be here, and you'll hear them later on, and you realize it happened right there, right? Right there. All you have to do is Quite turn around. It is it a is miracle. pretty amazing. And, and, and how many generations never had the opportunity? How many generations? And may meet continue to make this state even stronger as we go forward. Yeah, if, if in fact Jewish education is the key to our future, and you've made a very good case, as many have through the centuries, that it in fact is, then Amit is doing a good job in strengthening our future. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Nachum. Sam Moed, everybody. Great supporter of Amit. And somebody, as you heard him say, who's had Amit in his blood since we know each other. And that's a long, long time. Longer than either of us care to admit. More coming up at JM in the AM. 
Uh, by the way, Miriam Wallach is back, and I'm told we had a slight Facebook problem. That was not our fault. Yeah. How do you like that? No, we can't control the sun. We cannot control God the sun. God is the ultimate producer. <laughs> um, we checked with our engineering staff back in New York for suggestions. Um, dunking the iPhone in ice water was suggested. <laughs> I passed on that one. Yeah. Installing a fan out here was suggested. Passed on that one. So right now, we have jerry-rigged a bag over the iPhone to try and keep the temperature down. But as nice. people who yes, as people who have iPhones know, when it just gets too hot, it shuts itself down, and it politely lets you know that when it has cooled down, it will restart. So while our connection up here at on the observation deck at Torah is perfect, uh, the technical difficulties which we have incurred regarding Facebook Live are completely due to uh, God's choice of making it unbelievably gorgeously sunny here today. So one thing, one thing we've learned about God's creation today, he made the sun a drop too hot. The How sun works. Like that? If yeah. you are wondering, it the works sun works. Very well. The sun works well. More coming up. If you keep it at JM and the AM, you know what we're doing today? We're celebrating Jerusalem. It's Jerusalem 50, and we have Harabayat right behind us. You can see it all. You can hear it all. You can participate by commenting on our app. Miriam's going to check those app comments coming up. Plenty more happening as we say Chag Yerushalayim Sameach at JM in the AM. In the AM, Lach Yerushalayim is just one example of great selections. You know what a, a cab driver said to me yesterday? Last night I'm in a cab, and uh, we're listening to Yerushalayim Shel Zahav and Galgalatz. 
And he turns to me and he says, do you know how many great Yerushalayim songs there are? And I said, yes, I happen to know there are many great Yerushalayim songs. It has been the focus of our tradition for thousands of years, from the moment that Abraham was instructed to bring Isaac up to Haram Oriah, up to the Temple Mount, what would become the Temple Mount, uh, to bind Isaac. Remember that story? Remember that I story? Do. And that's when it started to become prominent, even before that, if you want to get uh, technical. But that's when it started to become prominent in our history. And now we sit with Harabai at that very spot behind us, the Evan Hashtia, um, right behind us, the, uh, uh, the, um, uh, the rock that is known as the Evan Hashtia, and the uh, Kotal Amaravi, the Western Wall. You can see that in view if you're watching right now where we are. Uh, it is a remarkable sight, a wonderful way to celebrate. And this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world on the web at uh, NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Anybody want to tell us anything on the app today? Um, actually, Malki Sinensky chimed in. Listener Malki is in Israel. She's in Israel. Imagine that. Yes. I saw her this morning at the Kotel. By the way, we don't have to imagine it because now she's in Israel more than she's not. So. Well, good <laughs> for her. She loves this place. Good for, And for a good reason. Oh, yes. For a good reason. You know, it was a very poignant moment, by the way, when we heard Yerushalayim Shel Zahav um, last night. That was something. It was perfect timing. And then as we were walking, um, walking around Yerushalayim, hearing it coming out of various windows, which just seemed like miraculous as if everyone was – you know, sort of listening to the same soundtrack, the unofficial soundtrack for Yom Yerushalayim, in multiple different locations, but on loop for hours. It sounded to me like uh, when you'd go by certain areas, like Yeshivot, you'd hear Kalbach songs about Jerusalem. When you walked by private homes where there were Yom Yerushalayim parties going on, they were playing or singing Yerushalayim Shal Zahav, and it was filling the streets of Jerusalem last night. Uh, that was prophetic words. And by the way, a perfect opportunity for me to plug what Mayor Weingarten did this Monday, this past Monday, and you could hear it if you go to the archives for the Israel show. He explained the entire history of the song Yerushalayim Shal excuse me, Shel Zahav, and analyzed it, gave all the references to what Naomi Shemer had in mind uh, in terms of the Tanakh with every line that she wrote. And, of course, it ended up being a prophetic song because it was written just right. weeks before what we're about to commemorate about an hour from now, the uh, reunification of the city of Jerusalem. Rabbi Berg is going to join us. I want to go to this first, and then okay. Rabbi Berg will join us. Uh, this is one of my favorite it's, I, some people would call it obscure. It's one of my favorite Yerushalayim songs by the Diaspora Yeshiva Band. Why would it's someone call it obscure? Because Is it's it off not, the back wall? It, it's not your typical Yerushalayim song by Diaspora. It's called Sion Mountain. It's unbelievable, and it's so high-spirited for okay. a day like today. We are celebrating Yom Yerushalayim, everybody, at Eishat Torah with our friends from Amit. And those of you out there who uh, want to get more involved, with uh, Amit and its incredible uh, system and network of education of uh, Jewish schools here, of schools, I should say, here in the state of Israel. You can search them online and start getting involved and become part of what is a uh, wonderful connection to the state of Israel. If you want to do something that connects you to the land and to the state of Israel and have a prominent role in the future of the Jewish people in the state of Israel, you uh, start investigating and figuring out how you could become part of, um, of the Amit system, and they will welcome you. Meanwhile, we have this selection, then Rabbi Berg from Aisha Torah will join us as we continue to celebrate and say Chag Sameach at JM in the AM. <laughs> Ba'vi'enu le'tzion, irchav 
a great song to celebrate Jerusalem or what? Vahavienu Litzion Ircha. Rabbi Steve Berg is the CEO of Eishat Torah. He is among our hosts. Uh, they have partners with Amit to welcome us here to this incredible site, this amazing uh, promenade, this uh, observation deck that Rabbi Berg gets to see whenever he wants. And that is the uh, deck here at Eishat Torah. Uh, Chag Yerushalayim Sameach. Thank you for having us. Thank me. you for having us. Oh, it's our pleasure, always. And it's great to be back here. Rabbi Berg and I love reuniting. Always. And to reunite here is extra special. Look at this. Our friends at, on Facebook can watch it. You've been seeing the blue and white. Did you notice how everyone's dressed up in blue and white all through the day? And the large groups are coming down. And so many children, so many young, young, young children, so many uh, young adults, so many adults, so many grandparents, all uh, appreciating and enjoying this incredible celebration. You see this scene every day, but yeah. you never see this scene every day. I never see this scene, but there's always a scene. You know, we had the president on Monday. There, yeah, there's always something happening. Coach you Elf. like this scene better than the presidential scene. Well, there, <laughs> there was no one down there with the president. <laughs> a little bit of a different scene, you know. You know we were told by uh, the Shabak to stay away from my window because there were snipers, you know, with a little bullseye on ours. You, you look suspicious? <laughs> Is that a driver? You know, a rabbi working across the Kotel. Who would have thunk, you know? 
Yeah. <laughs> You'd think they'd give you a pass. I know, right? Not a chance. Oh, no. In Washington, they know all about yeah. you. <laughs> well, they have, the Israelis apologize. said the Americans are a little bit crazy about security. So. You know, it's <laughs> funny you say that because we were mentioning this earlier yeah. in the show, or actually before we even went on officially. We were talking about it because I had a chance to speak to a couple of the Secret Service people mm-hmm. in the hotel. Yeah. And they essentially said that because we're so unfamiliar with Jerusalem, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, I'm more familiar with Jerusalem than they are. Yeah. And we were only brief starting 10 days ago. Right. We're just throwing everything at the place and taking right. every precaution necessary. Right. So you, as you said, they overreacted from our vantage point, yeah. but that's why. That's why yeah. they overreacted. We, we asked them if the Temple Mount, uh, Harabais, if there was anyone up there in the present there. And, and the quote was from Shabak, there was not even an ant up there. We cleared it. <laughs> not a full. bug to be not seen. Not a bug <laughs> to be found. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, well, first of all, uh, Amit and we here at NSN are very appreciative for this invitation. Thank you. Sure. You have to be impressed with the group that they've brought from the United uh, States. Terrific. Great people. And they've been taking advantage of your building, right? Yeah. They've been spending some time here. Yeah, look, everyone sees our building with the hotel, and they, you know, they kind of think, oh, I wonder what's in there. But once they get inside, they fall in love. It's really just an amazing place. And Asia Torah, we always said that this building belongs to the Jewish people. It doesn't just belong to Asia Torah. So yeah, we're you happy keep, to you have You don't keep anybody here. out. You think in this area you'd be careful about who comes in. You uh, welcome yeah. all the Jewish and people. Anyone here. that wants to come in and learn some Torah or, or hang out, this is the place to be. Uh, why is there now an Asia Torah institution in South America? Because, <laughs> well, because Buenos Aires has the best steak in South America. That was number one <laughs> That's for me one personally. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Buenos Aires and uh, Argentina has 250,000 Jews, which is quite a lot. Probably uh, close to the amount in Chicago or other cities like that. It's wow. the largest in Latin America. Asia Torah has in the yeshiva the largest uh, Spanish-speaking Balchuvi yeshiva. We have it in our yeshiva. And we already operate in Santiago. We operate in Mexico and other cities. Oh, so you're and not even new to South America. Not new to South there. America. And Buenos Aires was on our map. And right. uh, we were able to partner with the chief. Ashkenazic Rabbi, Rabbi Oppenheimer, and his his congregation to, to build an Asia Torah. We're really excited. I know that we get to speak to Rabbi Goldbach later. I assume that's more about the Yeshiva program. But but from your vantage point, why is it that Aish works? Why is it that I'm at a Shabbos table so often, or visiting, I don't know, our hotel or friends on Yuntif, and there'll be people there I'm not familiar with, and they talk about their journey to uh, our tradition going through Aish? Yeah, I, I was amazed. You know, I spent 25 years in the Jewish community, and I was less familiar with Asia until I came here to look at this job. And everywhere I went, I found people that had been connected through Asia Torah. I think what it comes down to is just uh, being totally non-judgmental. They just, Asia Torah doesn't judge people. We have one goal. We would like Jews to learn Torah. And, you know, when you walk into our building, you can walk in from 9 a.m. till 6 p.m., and you can just sit down in a class. You don't need to have a background. You don't need to know an olive or a base. You can walk in. No one's going to judge you by the way you look or, or your knowledge base. We just think Jews should be learning Torah, and, and I think that that really speaks to people, A. And B is also the fact that uh, our connection to God and the Almighty, and that comes from Noah Weinberg, is very strong. And when you walk in this building, you hear people talk about God and the Almighty as if he's, you know, right here literally in front of us, and, and, and he is. Yeah, you look uh, Location uh, yeah, helps, huh? yeah, location helps. And, and I think that those two factors, understanding that God is real, uh, we get a lot of Orthodox kids that come in here and say, we know the intricate laws of Bora. We're just not sure if we believe in God. Wow. And um, that, you know, you got you to gotta have God and you have to learn Torah. Wouldn't the mind is you to slow down while saying yeah, that statement? Yeah, yeah, That's a good one. Yeah, That's a good one. You know, we get so caught up in all the other shtick. And I think if you, you take it down to the basics, God and Torah, you know, uh, I think that's why it works. It's very interesting. And it attracts I, I, not only English speakers. You have programs for those who sure. know no English, right? 
Sure. It could be Spanish. Spanish, as we have, earlier, like I said, we have a program, we have a French program. That's um, one of the things we discovered in our previous visit here. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, when you had the tragedy in the old city, that was actually an instructor, a Rebbe, of those who were in one of the foreign language programs. That, that was Rabbi Biermacher who was killed. I just had lunch with him last week. One of the reasons we opened in Buenos Aires was I made a pledge to expand into Latin America after wow. his murder. And uh, we had lunch with his brother, who was a secular Jew, but a very pro-Israel media personality around Latin America, very, very well known. And he's now getting more involved and he's uh you know he's just uh he's great and, and yeah i mean we're here for the entire jewish people doesn't matter who what where when you're incredible Roy berg your institution's wonderful like i said we'll have an opportunity to speak to Rav goldwicht uh, later on he's i assume essentially rosh Hashiva or in charge of the israel well, Govek, he actually he's in charge of h israel which H -Israel. is all of our outreach we actually you know 85 percent of jewish people live in north america and israel and uh, we're doing a lot of work in israel to reach out 85 percent of the jewish people on this globe live in north america or yeah. israel yeah i'll give you one statistics and it's statistic and there are more jews in long island just long island forget new york city forget new jersey just long island than england wow so if you start you know crunching the numbers it's really it's here and there and those are the two places to focus and so now and you're familiar with both i'm familiar with both and we're very focused here in israel in places like tel aviv and you'll hear more about that from uh, really golva all right, Berg, I thank you. Thank we know you. each other a long time. Oh gosh, I yeah. love using the phrase longer than we'd care to admit, but it's great seeing you, and thank, thank you again you. for having thank us. Thank you so much. Uh, more coming up at JM in the end. By the way, one of our uh, – you know what? Stay for one more second. One of our app comments was, wish I was with you. Rabbi Berg, I promise you. I warned this audience for months that they're going to regret it if, they don't be, if they're not in Israel for the 50th <laughs> yep. anniversary. Yep. You're right. So some people listened and others didn't. Yep. What can I tell you? We gave them fair warning on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, but you know what we're going to start building up to? We've already made a commitment today to start building up to Israel 70. Wow. You know that's coming up soon. Absolutely. Less than a year from now. Yeah. And if, if people happen to come here when it's not one or the other, just <laughs> in the year, my email address is sberg at h.com. Feel free to shoot me an email. Come anytime to see the view. Thank you so much. Right. Steve Berg, everybody, Aisha Torah, as we celebrate with Amit. And uh, both Amit and the Nachum Siegel Network make a lot of people jealous that they are not here and we are here. We're not here to make you jealous. We're here to remind everybody how important the city of Jerusalem is. Also, Rabbi Berg has handed me Rabbi David Rossman's book entitled Torah Connections. I thank you for that, Rabbi Berg. Uh, we will enjoy Rabbi David Rossman's book. It's the Torah Connections Reaching Your Potential Through the Parsha. Liz Klibanoff is here in our mobile studio on the promenade, as I like to call it, of Aisha Torah. Liz Klibanoff is the Director of Financial Resource Development for, um, uh, for Amit. And uh, can uh, certainly give us a perspective on some of the nuts and bolts of the organization. First of all, welcome to JM and the AM. Thank you. It's great to be here. How would you evaluate the mission so far? <sighs> it has been extraordinary. We are so lucky to be here during this week, seeing the you know re rejoicing in the 50th anniversary of uh, the reunification of Israel. It's been tremendous. I'm it so has, happy. It is such an experience. People are walking around smiling and cheering and celebrating and having a wonderful time. And uh, like I said earlier, a lot of organizations tried to do this. Some succeeded, others did not. You guys were at the forefront of this whole thing. So. Well, I think that comes back to our donors and their understanding of our mission, what we're doing for Israeli society, the impact that we're having on the educational landscape. Um, that's really what we're about, and we're making a difference. 
No question about that. All right. Uh, I have notes here that say uh, Bagrut Ellen's Kids. Explain what that's all about. I'm happy to do that. So let me first start by saying what's the importance of the Bagrut. The Bagrut is the national matriculation exam. Right. And basically, it's what we would, the equivalent of our of our. Um, SATs? Yeah, kind of, you know, uh, regents, basically. Ah, right. um, you know, and what you need is, if you want to get into the Army or university, you must have a bagrut. And that's something that we work very hard with our students to come out of our schools with, to graduate. Uh, because, and we should clarify this for the students in New York and New Jersey and other areas of the United States, who might be thinking, well, our regents aren't so difficult, or our SATs are not so difficult, the bagrut has its reputation as being a really difficult exam for many, many students. Absolutely. <clears throat> it's an incredibly complex uh, set of tests that students have to study incredibly hard for, and they need a lot of support to achieve that success, and we're happy to give that to them. All right, so Ellen's Kids, explain that. So Ellen's Kids is part of our program. Let me first say that the national average of Israelis passing the matriculation exam is 70%, which is incredibly you know, high and wonderful. Um, Amit sets the standard even higher by having 85% of our kids pass the Bagrut, nice. something that we are really proud of and something that we devote incredible resources to to make sure it happens. Uh, and that means, I would assume, uh, preparation exams, preparation uh, study sessions, teachers who dedicate specific periods each week just to do the Bagrut, et cetera, et cetera. Like I say, we have a taste of it back home, but this is really serious stuff. <laughs> You're talking about marathon study sessions, right. you're talking about individualized pedagogical plans, really everything that the student needs to achieve that success. And I'll also just add that uh, the most important thing that we're doing right now is focusing in on quality Bagrut, Bagrut at a four and five level. That that score enables our students to not only get into the Army, but at the highest levels of the Army. Um, and you know, opens up different opportunities within the university. It's really the game changer for Israeli kids in terms of furthering their next step in Israeli society. Yeah, the army has essentially become a barometer. Uh, you know, they may say Hezder Yeshivot have this type of impact on me, et cetera, uh, has become a barometer uh, judging, you know, the schools that the uh, soldiers, that the that those who are uh, drafted into the army come from. And if Amit has the reputation, as you just described, which they do, then obviously uh, through the army we see that their students have done very well over the years. Thankfully, we do. We have students serving in the elite um, Shmana Matayim units throughout the IDF. We have junior colleges that partner with the IDF. And really, that's what we're about, having our kids become productive citizens for Israel and giving back. Ellen's Kids is a landmark program for Amit students that embodies the essence and benevolent spirit of its namesake, Ellen Koplau. Did you know her? I knew her very, very well, Ellen. She was an incredibly personal, um, special person. And she was all about the kids. And through the tremendous generosity of the Coppola family, we were able to um, create a program which supports our endeavors to get these kids to pass the Bagrut at every single level possible. There the are literally level. kids passing because of her. We've been able to turn schools around with this program. Um, schools that had Bagrut at 40% are now at 90%, 95%. So, you know, again, we're about demonstrated results and really pushing the envelope as far as we can. It's designed to enhance educational opportunities, to foster academic excellence, and develop every student's utmost potential. And what can be more important than that? Where did you, I assume you went on the same uh, visits this week as everybody else uh, in the group to the different Amit schools. You know, I've been with Amit for 18 years, so I've seen a lot of our schools, but every time I go, I'm just bowled over by what we're doing, by the kids that we are really changing and transforming. So I'm ready to come again and again. I'm ready for the 70th. And it's pretty cool to see students from every type of uh, society in Israel, right? Every, every corner of society in Israel. 
Well, that's what I think is what we do is really what we do really well is we bridge the gap. We have religious and secular. We have kids in the periphery. We have kids in the central part of of Israel. But really, it's about offering academic excellence to our kids at what wherever they're from and whatever they need. It's pretty amazing. Liz Klibanoff is director of financial resource development for Amit. Thank you so much for joining us today. And Chag Yerushalayim Sameach. Thank you. Oh, we're meeting some great people here today, folks who are involved in a wonderful organization, continue to do everything possible to help the educational system and the students in the state of Israel. We are uh, on Facebook Live. We're back. We're on Facebook Live. You can watch us at Nachum Siegel Network. You can watch us at Amit Children. Uh, we're on the NSN Nachum Siegel Network app. Obviously, we're on the website at NachumSiegel.com. I welcome all these students who have joined us from different yeshivot in the area to uh, see this radio broadcast be done live. And a special welcome, of course, to Barry and Simon Jacob, who a month ago told us they would be here on Yom Yerushalayim and again have kept their commitment. I, I don't even think it's actually a show in Yerushalayim if Simon's not here, frankly. You know what I mean? He's got to be part of the audience. And I agree. Oh, I thought you were I here. didn't have a mic. Oh, understood. Okay, yeah. And uh, That's all right. He's managing 72 things, including the iceberg that is now um, just carefully sitting on top of the iPhone. I feel like we need to give people an iPhone update. Facebook Live is up. That is thanks to a life hack provided by our friends at... Uh, Yeshiva Nakotel, who provided us with a bag of ice. Oh, the Yeshiva Nakotel crowd. Yes, and that was a that was a tag team effort because, of course, Barry Jacob coming through again today, first with the earplugs, which have saved my hearing, and second of all with the, hey, why don't you just put ice on your phone because that's what I do. Okay, you know there what? You have it. That worked. It certainly did. Uh, we are celebrating Yerushalayim on this, the 50th anniversary, the reunification of Jerusalem later on. <coughs> Excuse me, later on. In this broadcast, the sounds of 1967, what was going on right behind us 50 years ago today. You'll hear it all coming up if you keep it right here at JM in the AM. Meanwhile, yes. I just want to also mention that there are a number of us who are here um, and who are listening who have never, uh, never experienced their lifetime without Israel. Never experienced their lifetime without Yerushalayim. If you're under 50, this is like a completely crazy concept to you. What do you mean? What do you mean that we didn't have the Kotel? We didn't have Harabayat? What do you mean that there was no Israel? It is a remarkable, remarkable um, concept to think that this is something that we take for granted because it's always been there in our lifetimes. But it's, that's what makes days like this that much more important. When, when you say, when those who are saying halal say halal, those right. who are you know, saying different um, paragraphs from Tehillim are, are reciting them as well, it's important to remember that this wasn't always, and 50 years is a very short amount of time. Well, that's for sure. And uh, earlier today, you and I were discussing the border. Uh, right. And, and people, I, I bet every person here has crossed the border, the old border of Not 1967 today or yesterday today before without even realizing it. It was uh, very close to where most of the people are staying uh, for this mission. And uh, we don't realize, that, like you say, not only that we didn't have this area that's behind us, but it was extremely challenging for Jews to live in Yerushalayim, even after Hakamat Medina. Uh, now we get to enjoy all the benefits, and we are a very, very lucky generation. More coming up. It's JM in the AM as we celebrate Yerushalayim on Yom Yerushalayim. As I was walking down a dark and lonely street 
A car came along and pulled up by my side And inside was a rabbi with a long white beard He said, son, I'm gonna take you for a ride Why don't we go up to Jerusalem Oh, up to Jerusalem, yeah Up to Jerusalem with me Yeah, yeah. Why don't we go? 
How many people think we're going to play that song at least one more time today? <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to get to it at least one more time. Good bet. Uh, Yerushalayim Shel Zahav. I want to take this opportunity and thank Mayor Weingarten, who this past Monday spent a great deal of time during the Israel show explaining Yerushalayim Shel Zahav, not only its historical significance in terms of it being a poetic and prophetic song by Naomi Shemer from the year 1967, but in addition to that, all of the prakim and, um, and psukim that she utilizes uh, from the Tanakh 
uh, as references in the actual song. You could hear all of it if you go to the archive section of the Nahum Siegel Network. And, of course, uh, all you got to do is go to this past Monday's Israel show with Mayor Weingarten. Um, Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We say every day, Return us to Yerushalayim, your city, with mercy. The great Sklan Arabi explains that the Sefer Arve Nachal talks about the real kavana of all of our tefillas and bakoshas for the geula. It's not asking for redemption itself. That geula, that redemption Hashem has already promised us. It's one of our fundamental animamins, that Mashiach will come, that we will have the geula. Our kavana, our intention is that the geula should come closer. We pray and appeal to Hashem that He should hasten the geula so that it should come even before its time. Hastening the geula can occur in one of two ways. Either it can be difficult, chas v'sholem, like in Mitzrayim in Egypt, where the intensity and the hardship of our enslavement brought the geula closer. Or it can be brought about with rachamim, mercy, when Hashem joins in our pain with the tsar of the shechina, which is also an exile. Then Hashem can hasten the geula with mercy. That's the reason that every day we say, Yerushalayim Ircha Berachamim Toshuv. Our request is to return to Yerushalayim sooner. We ask for mercy to be gathered in from the exiles, as it says, Vishtachavul Hashem Bahara Kodesh Birushalayim. The great Repinchas of Koretz understood the secrets of proper tefillah. He used to say, that anyone who wants his tefillahs to be answered should have Eretz Yisrael in mind. He should think of the entire country, its borders, its cities, its villages and hills. Whoever does this is surely going to have his prayers answered. So how about those that already live in Eretz Yisrael? What should they think about? They should think of all the Jews still living in the exile and beg Hashem, to soon return his children to their own home. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day. Thank you very much, Rabbi Goldwasser. Uh, thank you for uh, reminding everybody about this special day with your words about Yerushalayim on this Yom Yerushalayim. Um, we are throwing everything in today. Amazing music, wonderful guests from Amit, an incredible view that you're watching on Facebook Live, both on the Amit Children's site and on the uh, Facebook page and on the Nahum Single Network Facebook page. Uh, we have acknowledged our host, not just the lay leadership of uh, Amit, but Andy Goldsmith and all the wonderful people at Eishat Torah. Um, and one of them is Rabbi Etl Goldwicht. Rabbi Goldwicht and I were just uh, reminiscing about um, Bunk One in Camp Misora a few That's years right. ago, just That's a few right. years ago. <laughs> and here he is as the director of Aish Israel. That's right. You have been in this position for how long? Uh, well, we founded Aish Israel six years ago. Oh, wow. Um, and since then, we've been, you know, it's bringing the Aish concept to Israel. Aish right. has been so successful around the world. Uh, you know, for 40 years, 
but they've never done any work with Israelis. And me with my Israeli That's background, so funny. we started working with Israelis. That's so funny. And, and, I, and we understand the mission. We understand why the mission was for foreigners, for people outside of Israel who came, who they were coming to Yushalayim literally to discover their roots or discover something about themselves. So we get that. But what do you find among the Israelis? Let me so hear. You see, what's fascinating is we think it's like in the diaspora. That's where Jews need to find their Jewish right, identity. Exactly. But here in Israel, even though they're Israeli, even though they live in Israel, but what is the meaning of our Jewish identity? And that's really what they're looking for. And there's an awakening now throughout the country where Israelis who grew up maybe not as connected, maybe their parents or grandparents weren't as connected, but they're now looking for the question of what is the meaning of this all? Why do we need to stay in this country? And unfortunately, we see in the States how many Israelis who don't find that right. meaning might end up leaving. So that's really what we try to do. Yeah, we actually maybe we should set up an Asia Torah in some of the Israeli neighborhoods in Queens and uh, that's other right. areas. By the New malls York. over there exactly. where they're selling you the soaps. Yes, you know all about that, I see. That's right. We used to have that in Jersey City all the time. Um, so this could be people from secular kibbutzim. It could be people from far-flung areas of Israel that have never seen what we would call an Orthodox service in a shul. It could be, or it could be those who have experienced it but just have never connected to it. That's right. That's right. What what we've done is, first of all, this Ash World Center, the where you're broadcasting from right now, which is at the center of the world, and Israelis come here. They'll come here when they get sworn into the army. They'll come here maybe for a bar mitzvah tour. But why are they coming here? That's where we fill in that answer. We've had here over. 100,000 Israelis in the last five years since we pretty much started. Wow. And we have elite army units come here. We have the Pirchei Tais, that's the guys right before they're graduating to become the next Air Force pilots or the top commando units. We'll bring in actually Avrechim from the Mir Yeshiva. So you're taking the two sides, a Haredi guy, and you're taking in the soldiers and we'll put them in the room. They we'll, study together. And we'll speak about this is Yerushalayim, Ir Shechubrala Yachdav. It's about connecting. Let's get to know one another. We'll bring them into our Beit Midrash, into our study hall, and guys are going to be learning about the meaning of what is, what does this place represent, what does Judaism mean, and we have phenomenal programs all over the all over the country. My colleague, actually, David Ziering, sure. in Tel Aviv, has programs for married couples. Right before they get married, they have to learn what is the meaning of marriage. Asian Tel Aviv is... Thousands of couples are going through a Shatora right before they get married. It's unbelievable. I have to point something out. Rabbi Etiel Goldwith is with us. I must point something out. And you, I would guess, familiar with Israeli history, know what I'm about to say. Many listeners will not know this. If you go back to the 1920s and 1930s and 1940s in this very land, there was a tremendous divide. People think there's a divide today, a much larger tremendous divide between religious That's right. and secular in Israel. To the point where it's no secret, where there could be, uh, I hate to say this publicly, but it, but it happened. There could be public burnings of tefillin among secular Jews just as a sign of resistance. I mean, we're talking yeah, about Jewish yeah, history now. that's right. Some very serious emotions that were, that were demonstrated by those types of acts almost 100 years ago. That's right. For those today who lament that we have this terrible divide in Israel between secular and religious, we have to keep in mind that we have made some progress that's in this right, area. That's right, 100%. And that's really what we're trying to do here. More than anything else is bring, trying to show everybody we have shared values, and we could unite around those shared values, and we could teach them to the world. We're creating communities throughout Israel, secular communities. So we're talking about what is known to us as a community, perhaps growing up in America, right. where you have you know like-minded people that feel comfortable and they have a space to grow in their Judaism. It doesn't exist in Israel for a secular Jew. There's no communities. Right. So we're creating communities where secular Israelis could have the space to feel comfortable, to grow in Judaism, to learn, to invite their friends. They're not embarrassed about it. We're creating the shift 
an attitudinal shift of how people perceive Judaism. And is there support for this in Israel, or does Rabbi Berg have to go outside of Israel to find support for a program like this? <laughs> so, I'm really curious about that. So, is there support for this in Israel at all? I think you're asking a great question. Yeah. So it started with support from the uh, outside. Um, outside. We're still relying on that a lot. But now more and more Israelis, it's like you got to get them in because they want. They, and they yeah, see the value. Exactly. And they see the value. We have top army officers that come here and now they're, and once they are exposed to age, they want to get involved. We're building a great museum over here. Right. We have a top army officer who is volunteering after being involved in our community to help us build it because they have an experience. They have the professionalism and they say, this is what our generation needs. We need people who will show Judaism in a very clean non-political, non-judgmental way, and that's what Aisha Tor is best at. How impressed are you that lay leadership from the United States made this commitment to be here on the 50th anniversary? It's amazing. It's amazing, and it gives chizik to us. You know, I was born here in Yerushalayim. My father was born here in Yerushalayim. My grandfather was born here in the old city. I saw the home where your father was born, by the way. Yes. He grew up in the very difficult part of Yerushalayim, right. to say the least. That's right, and his father was born here in the old city, ripped away from this city in 1948, and I have a picture I could show you on my phone, on our family WhatsApp group of my grandfather, my father's father, right here behind us. Today, 50 years ago, wow. he came with the Yerushalmi Brigade, came in, and you could see him. He's like a child who's back home. So for us, for people living in Israel, to see how many Jews came from around the world. And it's not simple. They're coming from all over the world to, to be and support Yerushalayim. It supports the Jewish people. It supports the Jewish people. I believe it gives chizik back to the community back at home. And this is the Achdus of Yerushalayim. This is Yerushalayim. Ir shechubra yachdav. We have to be united around it. When we're united around it, we'll make the world a better place. They like to say New York is the capital of the world. I say Jerusalem is the center of the world. And uh, certainly the group from Amit and others have proven that this week as we all gravitated toward the center of the world to be here for this big celebration. Rabbi Etl Goldvicht, you visit Aish, you can visit Rabbi Goldvicht, find out more about the Israel program. Tadaraba. That's right. You guys are all welcome. Thank you, Anachem. Thank you for those years in Masora, way back when. I hope I get 1% of the credit <laughs> of uh, our Masora gets 1% of the credit for what you've become. That would be wonderful <laughs> if we get a drop of it. Knowing Ryan Berg, he's going to give it to me. Right, Ryan Berg? Right. One, one little tipa <laughs> of credit. Thank you very much. Right, we'll meet you. Andy Goldsmith. He's been a guest of ours before. He has been an incredible partner with, uh, with us for many projects, and he has brought along a very enthusiastic group of lay leadership to participate in this big celebration that we call Yom Yerushalayim number 50. It is the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem, and everybody out there is invited to keep your uh, to keep your app where it is, to keep your computers where they are, to keep your Facebook Live exactly where it's focused, because we have Harabite behind us, and we are celebrating 50 years since that incredible day here at JM in the AM. We'll go to a song, celebrate a we'll little bit more, song. and then we'll continue with Andy. And then eventually, about, I don't know, 35 minutes from now, we'll start playing for you some of the sounds of 1967 and what was going on behind us just 50 years ago today at JM in the AM. Shall I, you know, you're a shell, 
Yeah. 
JM in the AM. That's Avram Freed. Someone told me that he was uh, playing Demona last night here in Israel. Uh, two nights ago, rather. Uh, and a lot of great Jewish music artists are commemorating Yom Yerushalayim with great performances throughout the land and, of course, in Yerushalayim itself. We're commemorating with music, with great talk and wonderful memories of Yom Yerushalayim's past and no greater memory than the memory of 50 years ago. Later in the 8 o'clock hour, we will play for you the sounds of 1967 and to relive what was going on right behind us. If you're on Facebook Live right now with Amit Children or with the Nachum Siegel Network, you are watching um, Harabayat, essentially, with the Kotel. And, of course, the Kotel Plaza and this incredible scene, the old Jewish quarter that now many refer to as the Muslim quarter. And Har Hazetim behind us and Beit Arot behind us and so many great areas of Jerusalem that 50-plus years ago would only have been a dream to imagine Israel's sovereignty in those areas. Today we have this incredible privilege of being part of a generation that now 50 years later can enjoy the pleasure of being in Yerushalayim and just having the most incredible day like the one we are having today. Chag Yerushalayim Sameach everybody. Andy Goldsmith is with us. He's Executive Vice President of Amit. He is uh, joining us on this incredible Wednesday, this wonderful scene on the observation deck at Eisha Torah. Andy Goldsmith, Chag Sameach, welcome back to JM in the AM. Nachum, thank you. Thank you so much. Can you believe where we are? It is hard to believe, I, you know, to I, say the least. When I was walking in this morning, like my footsteps were burning. Why do we get to be here? Why did generations upon generations of Jews not Zoha, not privileged to see what we get to see, what we get to experience? Wow! I, we, I mean, we have to have a card of tov to, to, to everyone. Oh, no question. For this, you know, for absolutely everyone. For I this. couldn't have said it better myself. We sometimes have to uh, sit back and just uh, consider all the people that preceded us, the generations and generations and generations that dreamt, that wrote about, that spoke about, that dreamed about, that just had Yerushalayim on their minds and in their hearts, but never were able to put their feet on Yerushalayim like you could and we could today. And 50 years later, Yerushalayim is accessible to us. Uh, the Kotel Harabayit Biadenu, as we'll hear later on, it is one incredible celebration. I, I have to, I don't like repeating um, items that we've discussed earlier. I don't always like, I should say, repeating items I've discussed earlier in the show later on, but I think it's, it's uh, important to reiterate something that I pointed out earlier. Uh, there are many organizations that made a concerted effort in good faith to announce to their lay leaders that they're going to be in Israel for Yom Yerushalayim. Many organizations, and as we always point out, uh, you know, um, naturally so, some organizations succeeded in doing that, others did not. Yours came through with flying colors, flying the blue and white colors. Uh, it's amazing that you opened up a mission like this for your Amit lay leadership, and you're joined by all these people from so many different areas in celebrating Jerusalem. Why, for your group, did this work so well and what seems to us so easily? You know, there is no more passionate lovers of Israel, people who are vested in the future of the state of Israel, than the Amit family. You know, we're 50,000 strong across the United States wow. and Europe. 50,000. Um, and it's, it's not new. You know, for 92 years we've been doing this. Right. And what is so healthy about us is we've evolved along with the state of Israel. You know, you and I grew up with the narrative that if we didn't support Israel, Israel wouldn't survive. Right. right? And that's the narrative that for 69 years that we have spoken over again and again and <laughs> right. again. And the reality is it's just not true. You know, this is startup nation. Besides the United States, it's this, this is the largest number 
of startups anywhere in the world, this tiny little country. You know, we didn't have any natural resources, so we developed Jewish brains. <laughs> and, that's our, and that's our chief export. So it's startup nation. It's a growing in wealth. It's a military superpower. Look around. You know, there's not much left. Yes, there's the Iranians, but there's little you and I can do about it. Right. So the question that Amit focuses on isn't just helping Israel survive. It's going to survive fine without us. Is what do we want Israel to look like five years, 10 years, 20 years from now? And that's the role as an American lover of Israel, as an American Zionist, that we can play. You know, that's where we really get to have a say because it's a wonderful country, but it's not a perfect country. There are problems here of, of bigotry, of racism, of misogyny. You know, when you take so many cultures, so many different ethnicities, and put them together, you're going to have issues just because there are so many differences. And that's where we really make an impact. If we want to have an Israel that we can be proud of, you know, that five years from now we're able to say, wow, it's not just Israel. It's a light, a truly a light into the nations. That's the impact that Amit is having today. In Israel. Uh, Andy Goldsmith is with us. You know, it's funny. We spent uh, a good portion of our conversation today talking about what you just described as Jewish brains being the resource of Israel. It's those Jewish brains that develop apps that bring us high-tech industry that have such an impact when it comes to the Israeli military. And now you see what's happened. Countries all around the world are coming to Israel, begging for certain technologies, wanting to know what Israel has done in certain areas that they can incorporate into their countries, into their lives. It, it's, uh, it's incredible to watch everybody gravitate to the state of Israel to get what they need back home. Nobody envisioned this 50 years ago. Uh, it's, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's unbelievable how the technology is crossing every barrier. Arab countries, even, they don't talk right, about it, but course. they're coming here. And now connect the dots. If, if, if Amit is all about Jewish education and making sure these students and young people become what we've just described, then you're really on the front lines of this battle. We're on the front lines, but that's only half the battle. Because besides equipping them with an excellent education, the other battle is values. Right? There is a, there's a problem in this country. And this is a serious problem that we hear about, not just us saying it, but you hear it from Israel, you hear it from the government leaders. There's a certain segment of the population, on one side, that doesn't identify with the values of the state of Israel. Right. Okay? And on the polar opposite, there's a, another population which doesn't identify with the values of the state of Israel. If you don't believe me, go to Los Angeles where the second language is Hebrew. Right. All right? We're the middle. Amit is the middle. 95% of our students once they graduate, are going on to Sahal or National Service. They're vested in the state. If we educate a child and, you know, we fill them with knowledge, but then they go move to New York or Los Angeles, we haven't accomplished our mission. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not doing what we were created to do. And that's where, really, where the rubber hits the road. It's that success, not just giving them a fantastic education um, and making inroads into the Haredi society at their request and into the Chiloni secular society at their request. They've invited us in to run some of their schools because of our educational excellence, because they've recognized we have a product that they want for their people. And that's where I think we are different than anyone else. Who serves as president of Amit today? Debbie Moed, my, and, my president. And we're going to meet Debbie coming up. Why is it that every time it seems I meet personally or have on the air any representative of Amit, it seems that the organization has been part of their family for generations. You know, I speak to a lot of organizations over the years. You know this. I speak to a lot of people. And, uh, and you meet people who have just gotten involved, those who are involved maybe for five years, 
here it seems that you're bringing people to us who are you know significant in the lay leadership role already, but they've been involved in some way from from young childhood. We suspect there is a genetic marker, not yet <laughs> that we've discovered that is the Amit. Or uh, as one of my one of my uh, colleagues likes to joke, you know, the Amit is like the mafia. Once you're in, your family is in. But the truth is, and, and I'm going to sound like Al Gore now, uh, we created social media. Okay, 92 years ago. The way people become involved in Amit is a friend or a relative brings them to an Amit function. Okay, we don't spend money on advertising, for the most part. We really don't. We put our money where we want to in the kids of Israel. That's our investment. Where it belongs. You'll right. rarely see an, an Amit newspaper ad, very rarely. Um, and that's a, that's a decision that we made, a very proactive decision. We want to put money where it counts. Um, so the way we do it is people come to an event, they learn about what we do, and they become vested, they become passionate. It's one to the next, one to the next, one to the next, which is why it's not uncommon to find three generations, even four generations. Right. At because this, point. this is a legacy that a family gives to each other, and it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Uh, do you have geographic, uh, um, I don't want to say boundaries, because I doubt that there's a boundary, but uh, are there certain areas of New York, New Jersey, and the United States that are known as real Amit country, or you have chapters everywhere and they all seem to be doing well. You know, we, we have chapters everywhere. We have uh, 50 chapters in the United States, and obviously wherever there are Jews, that's where we are. Right. But I am always shocked that we have supporters in Montana. I think there are 17 Jews in Montana. Seven of them are our people. Y you've had people write yes. checks from yes, Montana. Yes, we've had uh, very large <laughs> checks from Montana. You're serious. Um, people who listen, people who have gotten the magazine, people who identify with our mission. Because, Nachum, very simply, if you're interested in Jewish education in Israel, we are the best bet. And that's not just our propaganda. What we offer to our supporters to are measurable outcomes. You know, if you make an investment in Wall Street, at the end of the year, you sit down with your broker and you want to know what's the return right. on the investment. And our Amit world, we give our supporters that exact same information. You come help one of our schools, a year or two later, you're going to see how the Bagrut scores went up. Um, you know, you're going to see how certain kids who were facing certain challenges are overcoming those challenges. You know, in a philanthropic world where it is competitive, we offer our investors value. We offer them return and the most incredible return that can be imagined, the future of the Jewish people. So I meet lay leaders invest well. Simple as that. Thank God. They're good and, investors. And, and not only that, they've, uh, they've kept investing. Yeah. They've, we're standing on the shoulders of people who invested 92 years ago. We've evolved, the state of Israel has evolved, but it's still their principle that two-thirds two of our kids come from peripheral areas, which is a code word for places that you don't want to live. Mm -hmm. All right? By amid, no child left behind isn't a political slogan. It's our policy. That's what we live by. Um, and we're taking kids from really bad areas and bad backgrounds and giving them future. What better investment in the, in the state of Israel can you possibly give than that? It must have been frustrating and, and continues to be frustrating for someone like yourself to hear what we heard earlier that in some places there are programs that seven, you know, one in seven will get into or that you know, there's, still, there's still a welcome expansion of all these schools in certain areas because not every kid can be serviced. You know what? It, it becomes the challenges always evolve. Um, every time I come here, I'm faced with the fruits of our labor, but I'm faced with the next set of challenges. For instance, now we're, there's a French Aliyah. Okay? Right, good point. Uh, more and more growing. And the French Aliyah is different than any other Aliyah we've ever seen because we're not necessarily taking kids. You take a kid from Ethiopia, took a kid from the former Soviet Union. They had rough backgrounds where they were. A kid from France didn't necessarily want to come here. Okay, So we have to give them an education, not only where they feel... Um, educated where they get the uh, the skills they need, but where they feel valued. 
you know, the most important factor in a child's education is self-esteem. Mm-hmm. So how do you take a kid, a ninth grade girl who was, the, who was the head of her class in France, you bring her to Israel, you put her in, even in a good neighborhood, what do, you, what do you do to make sure that she succeeds? That's our mission. You know, wherever they come from, wherever they go, we are going to take them to a good place. Absorption is just another hurdle in terms of trying to provide Jewish children with a good education. You know, that's where our heritage started. Yeah. We started with pre, when it was Palestine. And then it became refugees from the Holocaust. And then it was the North African Aliyah. Then it was the Ethiopian Aliyah. Then it was the former Soviet Union. Um, and it's always what's next for us. You know, how do we make it better? How do we make sure that no child is left behind? How do we meet the challenges of Israel, not just for today, we think five and ten years ahead, and that's what you have to do if you want to be leaders. I guess when you uh, make a case for giving, when you make a case to people who are supporters or potential supporters to really open up and support Amit, I, I assume this is the pitch, that they're investing well and they have an opportunity to make a real impact on the state. The, the first pitch is measure, measurable outcomes. All right. If you identify with Jewish education in Israel, as that, that is one of your philanthropic goals, we are it. But the other is transparency. All right. Uh, if you go on our website, you can look that GuideStar and Charity Navigator give us their top ratings, the top ratings. And they do that because we're transparent, because we're honest about what we do. Amit is unlike most other organizations. We're not an American friends of. Our board of trustees, who is very, are very active, by the way, they're passionate about what we you do. You wouldn't be successful if they weren't. No, yeah. they're, they're passionate about right. what we do. I've never seen, they understand the details of running. Now listen, this is a $115 million a year operation with 110 schools, 35,000 children. That's a lot of moving pieces. But they have a good understanding of what we do and why we're doing it, and they ask a lot of questions to make sure that every dollar is used properly. It isn't wasted that every dollar, as much as we possibly can do, goes to the kids. That's one of the reasons, you know, we don't have a large endowment. I would love for us to have a large <laughs> endowment, okay? But our thinking always has been, if we have money, let's put it where we can invest it better. Yes, we can put it in the bank and get 2 or 3% or maybe 5% on a good year. Or we can put it into a kid who just came who needs a little bit more to pass the bagarit, you know, or a little bit more to get into some program. Um, I think that's a much better investment long term. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com on the NachumSiegel Network and of course on our beloved NSN app where you can comment away and let us know what you think of our Yom Yushalayim broadcast which in just a few minutes is going to include the sounds of 1967. Andy Goldsmith is with us. He's Executive Vice President Amit. Uh, Amit, our host today in Israel. Uh, an amazing partnership and uh, we have, uh, or I should say really Amit added a third partner for us when they secured this incredible location. Nice job there, Andy Goldsmith, on the location for our Yom Yerushalayim celebration. Uh, I'm referring, of course, to where we are on the observation deck at Aisha Torah. Uh, Aisha has been remarkable for us over the years, and today they've come through for both us and Amit with this incredible view, this amazing backdrop, and the ability to literally listen to the sounds of 50 years ago and know that they occurred right behind us. Uh, those who want information, you know, earlier in this show, I said that there are listeners right now who, are, who would like to investigate what we've been talking about. What should they do? How do they go to the web, find you guys, and start getting involved? Amitchildren.org. You know, that's the wonderful thing about the web. No matter what time of day, it's always working. <laughs> Take a look. Become involved, or, or even better than the web. Ask around in your community. Uh, you'll be shocked as to how many Amit supporters are there and how happy they are to share with you their passion for what we do. By the way, I live in a neighborhood that has a rich Amit history. You know that. I do know that. Uh, I mean, you, you could walk into certain shuls and see plaques that have been designated for specific women and others who have 
you know, participated in programs and were key members of the Amit family from decades ago. You know, it's very much like Israel. In Israel, you want to build anything, you scratch a surface, you hit an archaeological right. dig. You go into any shul or any community in the United States or in, in most of Europe, and you mention Amit, and people will come out from the woodwork. Right. Yes, my mother, grandmother, brother, sister, child um, are part of the Amit family. Yeah, and I believe that some of the chapters are actually named for certain people. That's right. And That's they, right. Get, they go by those names, and the kids today and those teenagers that are involved in the organization have no clue who those people were. But to the older folks who could testify to, uh, they could testify to the fact that they were very involved and really significant in the growth of the organization. And they take great pride in it. I mean, God help me if I get one of those chapter names wrong. You know, <laughs> I have right. people coming after me. I get hate mail like you can't imagine. <laughs> Please be careful. Prepare well, Mr. Goldsmith. I'm begging you. Andy Goldsmith, Executive Vice President at Amit. And historically, when we look back at the 50th anniversary of the Reunification of Jerusalem celebration, they'll be talking about how it was you and I and your organization and our network that partnered together to have this celebratory atmosphere for our listeners. Knock on the 70th anniversary oh. of the State of Israel. You're already Not too the far away. We've already secured our hotel room, so... Nachum, I, I, I'll talk to Rabbi Berg when this is over, but maybe, just maybe, you know. We're talking about the 70th already, Rabbi Berg. What can I tell you? We're booked. Rabbi Berg, we're booked. Rabbi Berg is worried about tomorrow, and we're sitting here worried about the 70th. That's it. We're That's like it. real Jews. We're real dreamers, Andy. What can it. I tell you? Amen to that. Amen. Very good. Um, AmitChildren.org. Thank you, Andy Goldsmith. AmitChildren.org. Yes, Andy gets a round of applause. He does get a round of applause. Um, we are sitting in one of the most remarkable spots you could ever imagine uh, with the backdrop of uh, Harabayat, a backdrop of, um, of a backdrop of Harabayat, a backdrop of, uh, of the Kotel Maravi, the backdrop of the Kotel Plaza, Harazetim, the old Jewish quarter that many refer to as the Muslim quarter. You're watching us on Facebook. Go to Amit Children on Facebook. Go to Nachum Single Network on Facebook. You'll see what we're talking about. It is remarkable. The um, I don't think the sound of singing and dancing has ended since sunset last night. Everywhere in this city, people are celebrating. The throngs continue to come in and out. The flags are remarkable. And if you look down where we are right now, and I wish the uh, the camera could catch this, there's yet another circle of young men dancing most likely to a Kalbach Yerushalayim song with the flag of Israel being uh, waved in the middle of the circle. Janine Kay is with us. Janine Kay is the senior director of Amit for the tri-state region. We have the um, uh, honor of speaking with her about one of the most significant roles, I believe, that Amit has in the state of Israel. Janine Kay, welcome Hi. to JM in the AM. Great to be here. Nachum, it is a real, real treat. A year ago, yeah. I was driving by the Lincoln Tunnel. Yeah. And if you know anything about your broadcast, when you go into the Lincoln Tunnel, <laughs> you lose. Not Nachum anymore. Not har, anymore. I hear Har Habayat. <laughs> I didn't hear Biadeno. <laughs> so it is an honor, privilege to be on your show, to be in Israel, to be in Yerushalayim, to be by Harabayat. Can we make sure Janine has the app on her phone so she'll never, ever lose I, that show again, Right please? now, I never lose it. There you go. Thank you. you. see, we're of always course. advancing, thank God. Uh, we'll get to Harabayat Biadeno, as you know, and we're going to together relive some of those amazing moments. Uh, speaking of Harabayat Biadeno, it was members of the IDF, of course, who uh, who secured Harabayat and who made sure that, that Jerusalem would be 
reunified. I think even to their surprise, if you learn the history of the Six Day War, that even they were shocked, shocked at how the enemy uh, took so seriously, thank God, uh, the incredible Israel Defense Forces. Uh, it says here in 2014, a pre-Army junior college program was established at Amit Hammer Rechovot. The two-year program is run in cooperation with the Israeli Air Force. Students study electronics and electrical engineering. Upon completion of their studies, students have the skills to qualify for a technician or junior engineer certificate. They go on, I assume, to some of the prominent colleges, right? Absolutely. And so, from there, I would bet the IDF is looking for these people. Well, it's a partnership, and not only is IDF looking for them, everyone's looking for them. It's Their skill sets are needed, wanted, and really very vital for the Air Force. Um, but I can tell you it's part of a bigger story with Amit. I, I really think that it really shows, um, if you'd say, Imtertsu Enzo Agada. This was born, this school was born with the vision of the high school principal, Rev Rafi, who said, this is something we need. <laughs> and I think this is really what makes Amit special because Amit was asked and Amit said, you are right, Rev Rafi. We empowered Rev Rafi, who in turn, then hired Rav Tsuri Levy, its principal, and basically built it, and now they're coming, and they're coming in droves, because this is a program that everyone wants to Talk be Talk about in. the vision of one person, huh? Talk about the vision of one person and well, with the backing of Amit. Correct, of course. Then, of course, everybody joins in and understands how great an idea it is. Um, uh, at this point, I assume we have graduates that have already made inroads uh, we, whether it be the IDF or other were, areas of Israel society. Absolutely. We were actually privileged to visit while we were here, yeah. and we got to meet some students. We got to meet some graduates. We got to meet those who are really making remarkable, remarkable, I guess you could say, miracles yeah. happening. Um, in fact, they celebrated uh, the night before we came the first soldier, the first graduate's uh, wedding, and Rav Suri obviously was there, a very big part. We wanted to host Sheva Brachot, but it was the night after the wedding. They were a little <laughs> tired, but it's our family. This is our family. The students who become Army and, and really make us proud are, are our family. Janine Kay is here, Senior Director for the Tri-State Region, talking about the IDF at Rehobo Junior College, etc., and the special program that's been established there. Um, I would bet that a lot of the work that some of these students will be doing for, uh, for the IDF, they'll never be able to discuss. You ever get that feeling? So we actually <laughs> met one or two. Oh, who already who, said that? Who said to us, you know, their Hebrew, their English was very good, but at a certain point they didn't speak. And it was purposely done because they, when people can't ask, say what do you word, do? Huh? can't say what I'm doing. So absolutely. And they come home to their families and they still can't say anything. It's <laughs> yeah. pretty amazing. How long have you been involved with Amit? So I'm involved as a professional staff uh, for about a year and a half. But I, too, as professional staff, but I have... Uh, Really, I meet blood, American Mizrahi women blood in me as well. You're one, one of those, of, huh? One of my <laughs> greatest joys when I was a bat mitzvah, when I turned bat mitzvah, yes, it's great to have a party, but my mother made me a lifetime member. And I thought that was just, like, I, I made it. You know, I'm now an adult. Forgetting fasting and now, you know, so cool. I'm considered bat mitzvah, but... I'm, she became. She was very active in um, Masada Sabra, the the Masada chapter in Long Island. Still to this day, very very active. And so for me, it's coming home, and it's in it's in my blood. And I'm professional staff. So. It's amazing. You know, Andy earlier said that uh, to some people's surprise, I'm sure that Amit has representatives all around the United States. That there are states we would be shocked to know where support comes from. But the tri-state region, which you direct, must be just remarkable. It's it's our bread and butter. But I'll say. That that as 
you know, so many people move out, move, move south, move west. And one of the things that, you know, we hear is they want to continue their involvement in Amid. And, and that's why we have regional directors across the country. Obviously, we have regional directors across the country. People have been there for years as well. But um, they continue. And we have grandchildren and uh, great-grandchildren who are getting themselves involved. Um, it's been remarkable at our mission to be able to see those generations because um, I'm hearing stories of people telling me about their grandmothers who had pushkas at every single <laughs> simcha in their house, in their family, and it was for American Mizrahi women, Amit. Of course. A tremendous tradition, to say the least. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us today. Janine Kay, who is the uh, Senior Director of the Tri-State Region, and also has Amit blood in her uh, lineage, in her heritage, uh, joining us here at JM in the AM. Uh, we're going to do this in two segments. We're going to do this in two segments as we... Um, Listen to the voices of 1967. Um, and in between, we'll meet Debbie Moed. Debbie's the president of Amit. We'll get a chance to hear from the uh, ultimate leader of the organization coming up. The supreme leader. The supreme leader of Amit. That's our new title for today. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to start with the uh, segment. And by the way, if you hear a voice that's not mine during this, it's, of course, Mayor Weingarten, his commentary throughout the entire uh, piece. This piece, as, as so many of our guests have mentioned, and we've heard anecdotally for years, is, is tremendously important to people who love the Yom Yerushalayim show, love to partake in what we are doing here, and really feel like they connect to the day, even if they are not in Yerushalayim, through these, oh, no through these audio clips. It's no one of those moments where you understand the, the weight you understand the weight of JM and the AM. You understand how JM and the AM has a, a major role in so many different lives. They look forward to this show. They look forward to Yom HaZikaron. You look forward to Yom HaTzma'ut. So many different programs on JM and the AM, and for these reasons. Oh, that's a good pitch. I appreciate that very much. Well, and uh, One of the things we incorporated over the years, and I thank Mayor for his uh, indulgence that we really have usurped his role this year because of our visit to Yerushalayim. Normally he's with me, of course, on the Yom Yerushalayim special. He will be with us in a minute because, like I say, uh, you'll hear his participation in one of our classic recordings of a show we did. I think this one is actually from one year ago. If not, then it's from two years ago. Of the uh, kolot, of the voices that you hear um, on these historical recordings from 1967. The first one of the two uh, will include the uh, immortal words of uh, Commander Matagur, and Harabayit Biadenu. And uh, we will play that for you coming up in just a moment. The second one, which we're going to reserve for a little later on in our broadcast, uh, will have the words of, not just the words, but the words and the singing voice of Rav Gorin and his soldiers as uh, he decided at that point to sing Hatikva, blow the shofar, say a Kelmole for those who had fallen uh, during the war, and to um, a blow shofar. And then uh, I believe, I, if I have the right order, uh, to recite the bracha that we traditionally recite on Tisha B'av of Menachem Tzion. Uh, all right, so first, the, uh, the, um, the battle uh, right behind us. The battle right behind us was raging, and the um, uh, IDF was making its way through the Lion's Gate to the, um, uh, to the area of Harabayit. And in this segment, you will hear Commander Matagor's Declaration of Harabayat Biadenu. It's Yom Yerushalayim 50, everybody. Yom Yerushalayim 50. 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. If you wonder how different life was in this area 50 years ago, this may give you some idea. Listen carefully 
to um, this segment of the Voices of 1967 as we celebrate the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. Actual sound. So the first part we're going to hear is Motagur, the commander. He is on Har HaZetim near Beit Arot, right. but they called him Irpeset. And so this way he can see the entire uh, battle um, area. And he says, he's, he's now giving the instructions, the final instructions before they move into the old city. And he says, we're on the ridge, we're overlooking the old city, and soon we're going to go into it. He says, Kolador, all the generations before us have dreamt about it, and we, we will be the first to enter the old city. And then he goes on to talk about whose tank is going to go first and so forth, and they're going to enter the Lion's Gate. And he says that the, there's going to be the tekes at the end will be Barachava, which I believe he means the Harhabayit, which is the only Rachava in the area. I shudder to think what he was thinking as he was giving that command, Lanua, Lanua, go. <laughs> okay, and so they, they, lots of stuff happens. They now are about to enter the Lion's Gate. It is the first time in history of the city of Yerushalayim, which has a long history of being conquered by, by different forces, that it is entered from the east rather than from any of the other sides. Mostly it was from the north. This is the first time it's entered from the east, from the Mizrach. And here are the Kolot. There's a burnt-out bus, which is giving off heat, which they talk about, and, and you'll hear him. This is the same Yossi Gonen describing as they enter, and they're still shooting. And as he described, Rav Gorin is there, and he is shouting, he's holding his Sefer Torah, and he is shouting, screaming, different words of encouragement, like, you know, like, like he's supposed to be doing, yep. um, to the troops, and he encourages them, say amen, say amen, say amen. Um, I discovered this year 30 seconds that I don't think we ever heard. Let's hear. 
and it's Rav Gorin yeah. screaming, and I, I, I beginning couldn't make it out. It turns out that he, he I believe it's Tehillim Lamed Hey. He was just reciting that Tehillim, which discusses um, battle, you know, fighting against uh, the enemies and so forth. So here is this this clip. <laughs> You hear the guy saying, Harav Yitzamud Lisham, meaning, move over to the wall, stop. He keeps going. Hello, Gorin. So, and, and you hear one of the commanders saying that you asked me, he's t- saying to Yossi Gornan, this, this whole clip is new. You, you asked me if we're going to make it to the Kotel today. He says, I'm, I'm telling you now that there's already a, an Israeli flag on Har Habay, which was, uh, was, which was uh, a little earlier. It's Tehillim Lamed Hey, and it talks all about David praying to God that he should um, fight with his enemies, give battle to my foes. Take up shield and, and sword and come to my defense. So this was the, you know, he probably knew all of Tehillim by heart anyway. So yeah. He knew which uh, the right one was. And now they make their way through. They reach Har Habayit. Motagur, who's seeing the whole scene, sees the Israeli soldiers. And the words that have become history are now uttered. And now he's instruction. Now these are war instructions. You know, first it was, this is Jewish history, and now let me just talk to the soldiers for a second. Unbelievable. That is the first half of the sounds of 1967 that we are presenting here at JM and the AM. I find Mut- myself... Oh my gosh. Matagur, Harabayat, Biadenu, and we know, unfortunately, and I, I, don't, I, I don't like being negative, but recently it's become such a major issue in certain communities. We know that, unfortunately, uh, Jewish leaders have, uh, and, and those in, at the forefront of certain uh, Jewish institutions, have purposely change the words Harabayat Biadenu to other words uh, for whatever reason they do it, most likely for some type of political reason. Uh, and we have to always remember that it is Harabayat that is most important to the Jewish people. And it's real sovereignty over Harabayat that we pray for every single day. And we know that the mission of 1967 and thousands of years before that has, will not end until there's real Jewish eternal presence on Harabayat on the Temple Mount. We are, we are thrilled I will say in quotation marks that we have the Kotel and an area that is uh, m- most easily accessible at this point, uh, close to Harabayat, and it does take a, an extra effort, so to speak, to actually make arrangements to go on to the Temple Mount. Uh, and we appreciate the fact that the Kotel is such a symbol of um, of Jewish uh, prayer and such a symbol of um, of Jewish yearning for so many years and so many centuries is is ours. That's wonderful. Uh, but we have to remember that it's not the ultimate goal. And his words, Matagor's words, must be preserved as they were said. 
uh, in the Six-Day War 50 years ago today. And it's so I, I turned around earlier just so I could try to imagine what was going on behind us 50 years ago today. It's so difficult to imagine. I'm wondering what some of the young people who are here, young meaning those under 20, are thinking, because for us, we could somewhat relate to a world um, uh, because we know we remember what early Yerushalayim after the uh, Six-Day War was like. Uh, we somehow could relate to a world that had no um, uh, full sovereignty over Jerusalem uh, by the Jewish people. But I wonder what some of the young people think as they hear these words and think of those battles that were going on behind us at this time. But to remain as positive as possible, it is a great celebration today, 50 years later. And that, what we just heard, um, uh, because of the ingenuity some may call it luck, of Yossi Ronen, that reporter for Galei Tzal, who, as Mayor reminds us each and every year, ran to a payphone and threw his tape recorder. <laughs> That's how he did it. He ran to a payphone through his tape recorder. That's how he filed the report, by speaking into it. And whatever sounds he had, like the ones we just heard, he actually played the tape recorder into the phone to the Galei Tzal headquarters. And that's how we have that. Otherwise, we wouldn't have those actualities of that incredible uh, end of that battle. We would call that like guerrilla journalism. I guess. Yes, that is. Um, we are all forever indebted to him because otherwise oh. we would not have that. And yesterday on YouTube, I actually saw a clip of an interview done with Rav Goren and him. Oh, really? Rav Goren years later, maybe it was the 10th anniversary of the Six Day War, and him, this young, I think he was 20 years old, this young kid whose life was obviously in danger. Uh, as you hear him describe, um, without saying it like that, but he's describing how dangerous a situation they were in, and yet he was able to capture all of this. And, and as we mentioned a 20-year-old who was in that situation, can we please pause for a moment and think of all the 20-year-olds and teenagers who are serving in the Israel Defense Forces, who are preserving Jerusalem and other areas of Israel for us. And a, a fact that some people may not know, I had the privilege of meeting the three paratroopers yesterday, and it was a real privilege, um, and and one of the things mentioned was we all thought of that. It's Natan Sharansky said during his speech, we I always thought of them as 19-year-olds. Mm -hmm. I found out that they weren't 19, and we're all we're, we're all sitting there going, oh my gosh, he's going to reveal there were 30 or real veterans of the Israeli right. army. We found out they were 22 years old. <laughs> right. You know, like, still babies. Exactly. Like still you know, this, babies. this was a great revelation. And um, and while we're on that topic, let me say on this Yom Yushalayim that we know from Natan Sharansky that it was the Six-Day War that had such a major impact on his and other, and other uh, Jews in Russia's Jewish identity. It had a major impact on them, and he described it yesterday. And he was lapping up every word that the soldiers were saying as oh, he was reliving loved it. what his experience was. It was incredible sitting next to him and watching him take it all in. And, and for how many people around the world today is in fact the state of Israel and the city of Jerusalem an inspiration for their own Jewish identity. Uh, we know this through birthright and through so sure. many other things. That, it, that, that's what it's all about. And we, have, and, and we have this incredible, wonderful, priceless gem, the state of Israel and Jerusalem. And unfortunately, sometimes people go out of their way to find negative things to say about it, which I don't even think we're allowed to. Arabia two of Yerushalayim has to be taken seriously. I don't even know if you're allowed to. I always hesitate before before saying the weather's bad in Jerusalem. Haven't and, we been and, complaining and usually, about the, about the traffic I'm the one who all week? The bad weather to Jerusalem. So we like shouldn't I be complaining. We shouldn't when be it, complaining about the we were traffic. flooded on the 40th anniversary. Right. Anyway, those are some of my thoughts. Uh, coming up, yes. Well, I just wanted to comment that when Go Mayor ahead. mentions. Um, you know, when when Mayor mentions that Rav Goren is told that a flag has already been raised, mm -hmm. we are sitting here 
on this lookout, surrounded by Israeli flags, right. in a land in an area that had none. We're talking 50 years ago. There wasn't one anywhere where we are sitting, and they're everywhere now. And one goes up on Harabayit, and and I I always think you know. Um, uh, there's stories about how the flag of the firefighters got up during 9-11 right. and how it was a makeshift operation, so to speak. They grabbed it off a boat and then just figured out a way to hoist the flag. I always wonder what went behind the flag, that w- what was the backstory mm. on the flag that flew over Harabayat. Because I'm sure some Israeli ingenuity <laughs> got it up there as soon as possible, right. as soon as they realized that the enemy has scattered and that they're ready to take over Harabayat at that time. What a moment in Jewish history, to say the least. And so is this. Today is a moment in Jewish history. There's to no question about today that. Today is a moment that we are all experiencing. We are reliving. We are breathing together. We are enjoying each other's company. The, the singing is never loud enough. It's never, it's never enough. The dancing isn't enough. And you posted videos last night that were just full of energy, and they've just been shared and liked, and people are commenting left and right. And again, we're sitting here. There are people out on their mir pasot, on their, on their terrace, that are looking out at what they see and just enjoying the the spectacle and the spectacular nature of this entire celebration. But you have to stop and say there was not one flag here 50 years ago. That's correct. And by the way, by the way, just a note to those who uh, were celebrating with us last night who insisted that I go and dance in the middle of the circle. <laughs> At my age, I get no greater satisfaction than just watching right. everybody have an amazing time. Right. So I stayed out of the circle as much as I was told countless times to get in there and do some type of broadcast. I just enjoyed the incredible singing, the wonderful dancing, and the youthful enthusiasm. Thank God the Jewish people we can say after this experience with Amit and our friends on this trip, we could say there's a tremendous youthful enthusiasm that continues uh, that continues now. And I know that naturally we really should move on to the next segment, but I'm going to keep this audience in suspense because that's what it's called in radio. It's a little bit of a teaser. We are going to get to Rav Gorin's words and hear how emotional both joy and, and, and to a degree sorrow when they uh, mentioned those who had fallen uh, during the, uh, the battle. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that coming up in just a few minutes here at JM in the AM. And fittingly enough, uh, the person who is going to um, uh, who's going to serve as a bridge between these two clips, Jewish history, is somebody. What did we declare? We declared emperor of uh, of Amit women. What did we say? Of Amit, rather. What is it? Queen for the day. Queen for the day. day. <laughs> Queen for the day of Amit. She is more. She is more accurately known as the president of Amit, and can give us an example and, and certainly insight into just how incredible organization this is. Uh, Debbie Moed is with us. A nice round of applause, please. Uh, first off, Thank you, uh, first of all, congratulations, because we've said this to almost everybody today. Your group, uh, while so many organizations wonder if they'd get anybody to come to Jerusalem, yours has a, an amazing collection of enthusiastic people who are here to celebrate the 50s. So congratulations Absolutely. to you on that. And it's an eclectic group, too, oh, is all it? over the country. Very nice. Yep, it was great. We really have been having a fantastic, fantastic mission. Uh, and many areas of Israel, not just Jerusalem. You've been to many areas already and enjoying all of them. Um, there's, a, there's a certain spirit in this city uh, that reminds us of just how much progress has been made uh, in the state of Israel and the city of Jerusalem over the last 50 years, over the last 69 years, and really in Amit's case since 1925, frankly. Absolutely. Uh, and the progress, I th- and progress, I think, can be the theme of the day because all we keep hearing 
through every conversation is how many different initiatives have been started, how much growth is taking place through all the different chapters and all the different schools that are in the Amit network, the Amit system. I, I guess there's still a lot more work to do, but you must be very proud to be here at the helm uh, during such a wonderful time for the organization. Oh, I'm very proud. Every time we see any school facility we meet students we meet staff members the other day we were in modi'in and we had a presentation by the maintenance worker who decided to start working with children who have special needs and he does carpentry with them wow and only in israel right yeah exactly and he could win a prize too from our Amit network. We <laughs> we reward everybody who's excellent no question about it um when did you first get involved in this organization well as you pointed out, I have a mother, a grandmother, a mother-in-law, an aunt who was a former national president, so I kind of had no choice. <laughs> Loyal, However, You come from royalty. <laughs> in the mid-80s, when we were renovating, we finished renovating a house in Englewood, at that time, pre-internet, cell phones, we seemed to have a lot more time on our hands. So I was asked to host a monthly meeting. And, um, of course, the Yentas wanted to see the new construction. <laughs> so One of the secrets, huh? Absolutely. So um, as the chapter presidents walked in the door, I had a couple of suggestions that I, po I can't possibly repeat now. I don't know what they were, but I became in charge, and that's how I got involved. It's pretty amazing. And now you're president of the organization, get an opportunity to see all the great work that's being done. Uh, there's a specific um, uh, item that we were asked to speak about. The Kama, is that the right pronunciation? Yes. The Kama School for Girls established in 2006 in Nenegev. We're familiar with the town of Yerucham. 220 students. Tell me what's unique about this institution. Well, we had the privilege of vi vi visiting uh, Yerucham yesterday. And I have been on probably 14, 15 missions already, but every single time I come, it's really no joke, every single time there's something new I learn. So this time we were addressed by Tal Ohana, who is the deputy mayor. We've met the mayor, Biton, many times. Tal is the youngest and only woman to be elected to this position, and she could not say enough about Amit, and specifically Amit Kama, and also Midrasha Be'er, which is one of the few Hezder-type programs for women, young women that we have also in Yerucham. And whereas she said that she came into office, she's of Moroccan descent, she was very, very concerned with the veteran population. There are a bunch of new, young, idealistic uh, couples moving in, building these beautiful villas, but really at the same time wanting to be embedded in the town. And she found that instead of keeping everybody separate, the best way to advance everybody in Yerucham is to get those kids together. So there are all kinds of kids in the Kama school. We have religious, secular, Mizrahi, uh, Ashkenaz, um, all different types of cultures. And it's just a wonderful mishmash and that's how we like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say it like that because one of the themes of today's show has been the diverse groups that are served by all the different Amit schools. You like the mishmash. Absolutely. <laughs> we look for that. Right. And, you know, as Andy said, we really are centrist. Many of our schools are religious. We also have secular. We have a couple of Haredi programs. So really, wherever the Ministry of Education and the Israeli government say the needs are greatest, we step in. Amazing. Um, Debbie Moed's with us, president of Amit. This year, the robotics team at Amit's Kama High School, which we just mentioned the school, won the first Tech Challenge National Robotics Competition and were chosen to represent Israel at the World Championship in the United States. That's quite significant. Absolutely. Uh, 
the first competition was actually um, an idea, the brainchild of somebody in the States to really teach boys, but also especially girls, that science can be cool and that they should start thinking about going into careers in the sciences, in cyber, in computers. And we have a very robust team. Um, we have one, a boys team in Modi'in, went to South Africa for a competition. The girls team now, we have some co-ed teams and we're really encouraging that. We're very proud of them. And it says here in regard to the Kama school that um, the school accepts everybody. No such Absolutely. thing as somebody being turned away. When you live in Yerucham, you are automatically accepted. And we learned from the deputy mayor that the district lines had to be re redrawn so that some people in the outlying <laughs> areas could get their kids in because it's known as the finest high school in the country and it's literally in the middle of nowhere in the desert. Otherwise those families would have figured out a way to move into the district. <laughs> they wouldn't have exactly. moved the lines, I would guess. Uh, Debbie Moates here. All right, what would you say to everybody out there? There's so many people listening right now who have uh, not been familiar with Amit until this morning. They may want to get involved. They may be considering, I don't know, being part of one of your missions at some point just to see things up close and personal. What would you say to them? I would say that everybody is invited. We can't wait to have you get to know more what Amit is doing. Um, we are literally building the country through education. If you are concerned about Israel, if you want to know, know more, if you want to know about education, join us, and we will be very happy to have anybody come and be our ambassador. And the first mission is the key, because they'll see something they've never seen before, and they'll understand why it's important to get involved. Exactly. When you asked me how I got involved, right. I was about to say that the way I really got hooked was coming and seeing firsthand what's going on here. Because we could talk about it, people could watch videos, it's never the same, it's so much more powerful. And I invite you to join us too, Nahum. Well, I was just gonna <laughs> say, uh, Andy, if we really work out Israel <laughs> 70, you know you have a commitment for me to see at least one school, right? That we have to work out oh, for sure. Oh, one is never enough, but hey, but at least it's us. a start. <laughs> um, and, and we didn't really concentrate yet on Jerusalem, I would assume that Amit has a presence in the holiest city on the, uh, on the globe. Absolutely, we have an elementary school. We also have two, what, what are known as technologi, programs. They're really last chance high schools for kids who could not make it in any other school. They learn trades, they learn how to be electricians, mechanics, hairstylists, and this allows them, first of all, to take the bug route and do well and feel good about themselves and then to have a trade and really become productive citizens. That's what we're all about. Very nice. Have you issued the Debbie Moe doctrine yet for your term or that hasn't been a... Uh, oh, it's information. It's already information. <laughs> all right. Let us know when it comes out. I will read it verbatim on the air for you. Thank you. A uh, pleasure. Thank you very much for hosting us. Debbie Moe is president of Amit, everybody. And look where we had the, this conversation. We had this conversation in front of Harabayat on this, the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. I'd like to play a song and then come back and get to the uh, actuality of Rav Gorin um, from 1967. That's what I would like to do. It is my show. Huh? Forgot about that. Uh, so let's do this. We'll do this. Um, I, I'm doing this special for Yitzchak Rosenthal. Uh, ten years ago, I'm not kidding when I say this, ten years ago Yitzchak Rosenthal of Shalsheles released a song to the world Jewish public, specifically for Yom Yerushalayim 40. And it was the central theme of our 40th uh, uh, mission, our 40th year mission to uh, Israel uh, for Yom Yerushalayim 10 years ago, the day that you know, it didn't stop raining and the city was flooded, etc., etc. Most people who listen regularly know that story. Um, we, talked, uh, we talked for a while with Yitzchak about doing something special for the 50th. Um, 
not, it didn't really come together the way we saw it for right now. Who knows whether Who it's knows? the 70th or the 60th of Jerusalem. Uh, it might happen, but I do want to acknowledge his amazing work and commitment uh, to making sure that selections, songs of Yerushalayim uh, continue to be part of uh, everyone's experience. And we know how important the musical experience can be. So this is his selection from Shalshelis Jr. We'll do this, and then we will continue with the words of Rav Goren and uh, thank Mayor Weingarten, who, uh, even though he's not with us uh, alive, you heard how um, impactful his words are in describing the sounds of 1967. Chag Yerushalayim from JM in the AM.
All right, that is um, a Yerushalayim done by Shalshelis Jr., a little bit of a tribute. Just wanted you to meet my sons, Andy. A little bit of a tribute to uh, Yitzchak Rosenthal, one of the people that has always encouraged us when it comes to Yerushalayim. And uh, we spoke uh, for 10 years about this 50th anniversary, and I say this in the nicest way possible. I know he's regretting that he's not here today. <laughs> and boy, yeah. if he's watching this video, he will certainly regret it as anybody who's not here. And if you were able to uh, uh, to tune in and uh, let us bring you some of the sights and sounds, we're glad you were able to do so. Or in this case, all of the videos. Uh, correct. Yes. A lot of great videos. Exactly. Um, earlier, we played the historic words of um, Commander Matagur Harabayat Biadenu in a segment that will continue to go down in Jewish history as one of the most significant, certainly when it comes to recordings in Jewish history, one of the most significant, um, if not the most, frankly. Shortly after that, and Mayor Weingarten will help me describe it through a uh, recording we did in past years, and by the way, I was told that I, that I somehow... <laughs> the way the sound came out, it sounded like Mayor was no longer with us. He's with us. He's not with us. Well, you live said here that Mayor's not I think with I, us. I think I paused and said ah before the word live. Shout out so to Mayor Weingarten, who's listening. I'm sure Mayor. in Brooklyn. I certainly hope yes. he's tuned in. Uh, and watching. Is, oh, he's watching. This is down, right? I just want to make sure this is down so I could set it up for everybody and we could talk about it. Um, we continue with one of the most um, stirring segments when it comes to um, uh, Yom Yerushalayim, when it comes to what happened 50 years ago uh, today, and that's of course Rav Gara, and I keep describing, and obviously uh, it'll be more accurate when you hear it, uh, the different uh, responsibilities he felt uh, that he uh, took upon himself as this battle was ensuing, and one mayor described earlier in terms of encouraging the troops, bringing the Torah, and a chauffeur for, a, uh, a chauffeur blowing uh, to the uh, area of the Kotel, uh, and that, the chauffeur blowing and the, um, uh, the brachot that he makes and the, uh, and the kelmole he makes for the soldiers who fell uh, during the battle uh, and the, um, uh, I'm trying to think what else, the crying that you hear among the soldiers as Rav Gorin is uh, proceeding with all of this. It's all one big, incredible, emotional sound, one incredible, emotional uh, piece of audio uh, that is so stirring. Uh, we're going to listen to it here, such a short distance from where it actually happened. I mean, look, now we could really say earlier we weren't 100% sure exactly where Matagur was standing. We know he went in, or his troops went in through the Lion's Gate from Shahar Rayot. But now you can imagine that is the Kotel Amaravi. And just in front of that wall, and remember there were Arab homes up until the Kotel, just a few feet away from the Kotel at that point. And just uh, in front of that wall that we are looking at, uh, a wall that has gained in significance. I wasn't careful with the way we put this. Has gained in holiness and significance because it has been such a, uh, a place for prayer over the centuries because of our inability to have easy access at all times to Harabaya, to the Temple Mount. So the Kotel has always gained significance over these centuries. And it was right there in front of the wall where Rav Gorin and the paratroopers that we met earlier in the week, uh, the three well-known ones from the Rubinger photograph, and, um, and, of course, many other soldiers and paratroopers all were together in this stirring, historic scene. Sounds of 1967, 50 years later, here at JM in the AM. I'm in Tishabov.
And then Rav Gorin, one of the most moving moments, makes an azkara kel malay rachamim for the soldiers who just died, who were killed in battle, who never got to see this. Yeah. They never got to see this moment. They didn't know where where, where the Jewish people were going to end up at the, at the end of that day. And uh, here is the Azkara where he mentions the soldiers that gave their lives for the liberation of Yerushalayim, the Kotel, and Har Habayit. <laughs> Those are the soldiers crying. Shalayim Shel Zahav, which we heard earlier and is a perfect way to wrap up this segment. 
I want to I want to play the end of that clip from Avgoran one more time. I'm not going to go into the 50 I'm not going to be here and celebrate the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem and not include let's keep this down for a minute just so I could set this up and not include the full uh, the full um, uh, words of Rav Goran on that day. Um, listen very carefully to the bracha. This is how it, in fact, ended. Let's bring that up. Here's how it, in fact, ended. Azot! <laughs> There it is. Yerushalayim Habnuya, Yerushalayim Hatika. And as Mayer pointed out during the narrative, the uh, the words that Rav Goren begins with is Shichur Beit Hamikdash, um, the reunification, the liberation, rather the liberation of Beit Hamikdash, and then of course we talk about the. Uh, and then the Kotel Amaravi, going in descending order of importance in the Jewish world and the Jewish tradition. First Beit HaMikdash, then Rav Goren says um, um, Harabayit, and then of course he says the Kotel Amaravi, acknowledging the holiness of all three, but we have to remember um, the order and the proper order. And the precision of language. Oh, the to choice say the least. of language. When you comment, you know, just a, oh. a little while ago about the choice of language that some people have used recently um, in in mess- well, yeah. messing with Rav Goren's quote. That's well not Rav Goren's quote, Matagor's right, quote. Mata but yeah, quote. I mean not not uh, choice, more like purposely changing it. Right, but, yes, but my point 100%. is my point is Rav Goren, yes, <coughs> chose his words. Very carefully. Very purposefully. Uh, it has been an amazing day here. We always envision what kind of day, special days like this, will be for us. This has been an amazing day. And uh, to our friends at both Amit and Eshatora, we say thank you. Uh, Evan Green is with us and will help us wrap things up. He comes all the way from Los Angeles, California. He is officially the chair of of the Los Angeles Leadership Council for Amit. Evan Green, it's a pleasure to meet you in Jerusalem. Thank you, Naham. Thank you. It's great to be here. Do uh, we know if there's a big contingent from L.A.? Did people come out from California? We've got a, we've got a handful. We're going to have more for the 70th. Nice. So you will see a lot more on the 70th. <laughs> you heard I that, promise Andy? You. L- L.A.'s <laughs> coming out strong for the 70th. I love it. <laughs> Nothing like celebrating even a year in advance. All right, so tell me why you got involved with this great organization. Well, first of all, I'm very lucky to have gotten involved, and I got involved probably the way, I'm going to say it's a source of most anything in any child's life is your mother, right. particularly if you have a Jewish mother. So it was my mom <laughs> who introduced me to a meet. I'm going to say 15 years ago, not to date myself, but it was probably a little more, a little, little more. It was probably a little bit more. Uh, what, what really connected me to Amit and what Amit stands for was my first mission, which was two years ago for the 90th uh, anniversary of the Amit schools. And when you visit the schools personally, when you speak with the kids, when you see the visions that the school administrators have, that the teachers have, that the principals have, uh, when you see that they live up to their word, that truly building Israel one child at a time and truly no child gets behind. Uh, It inspires you 
and you maybe even add a zero or two to your next check. <laughs> is this a mission number two, or you've been on even more since Th then? This is a mission number two. Mission uh, number I've two. got my beautiful wife, uh, Layla, who uh, has been on both of the missions with me, and uh, my, my dad uh, joined us uh, for the first time on this mission, as well as my uh, good, good buddy, Bart. Oh, you're spreading the word, huh? Oh, yes, I am. Boy, that circle <laughs> that you uh, travel in is getting larger and larger. Um, we're so familiar for obvious reasons in you know New York, New Jersey, and other areas, and the impact that Amit has had, and that people in those areas have had on Amit. What could you tell us about LA? Could you describe for us the the strength of the uh, Amit Council out there? Well, uh, uh, in LA, I'm going to say Amit is the best kept secret. Okay. You know, it, it there's a lot of uh, untapped potential. So um, I got more and more involved with Mahal, who has been the uh, uh, the regional uh, uh, head of the Western region uh, several years ago. And when my wife and I went on the mission uh, a couple of years ago, the 90th mission, we took on a commitment to become the Amit ambassadors for Los Angeles. Nice. And one of the first things we did in that regard, uh, yes, you could add an extra zero to a check, <laughs> but it's, it's limited. You know, the best gift you can give is to introduce other people and have them have the, uh, the honor and the pleasure for themselves to contribute to a cause that's so, uh, you know, I'm going to say so effective and so meaningful. So we took on being ambassadors. We've introduced uh, uh, some others. Uh, but more importantly is we did start, uh, it was uh, this year we had our first official in January, our first official uh, LA Leadership Council meeting. And I'm very proud that it's, uh, I'm going to say, made up of a newer generation. Nice. Yeah, we've got uh, some great entrepreneurs. Uh, uh, Doug Williams, who's the head of a, a, a record storage company and very involved in Jewish activities and, and literally has never heard of a meet. Uh, uh, has he been to Israel yet? Oh yes, he has. Oh, in fact, he's he's coming on. Uh, he's coming uh, uh, next week, which is why he's not on this particular mission. Okay. Uh, we've got a, a gentleman, uh, Craig Lewis, who is involved in uh, the the technical side of the medical industry for dialysis and uh, analysis and things of that nature. We've got uh, a, uh, a lawyer. We've got you know we've got some some young blood. It's mostly men, which is also great. It's I think for me that's adding diversity to the uh, the meat organization. And uh, uh, you know our goal is to in a in a very uh, educational way to share with people what a meat is up to. And uh, we know if we do that, they will uh, uh, instantly uh, get the message and and realize that this is something that they want to be part of. Well, spreading the word is the most important thing, and I uh, I guess we can conclude after this conversation that the word is being spread out west, huh? It is being <laughs> spread out west. Yeah, we I get a little competitive, so uh, oh, you want to beat the east? Yeah, we point. you know west coast, east coast. We got a we got a little catching up. Andy's to do. rooting you on, by the way. <laughs> we got a little catching up to do, but you know, it sometimes it only takes one check. Sometimes know, we're huh? one check away from it. We're one check away That's is the, the way attitude. I look at it. <laughs> a pleasure meeting you. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Nahum. And uh, thank you for celebrating with us in Jerusalem. Well, uh, we salute Amit. Like I said, not every organization was able to put together uh, an effective leadership mission to join with us and others during this uh, 50th anniversary of the uh, reunification of Jerusalem. They did it, and congratulations to them. I want to thank Yoni Pollock, who oh. has uh, bravely served as our engineer. Stupendous job. If you wonder how all this gets put together, 
He really did a good job. Yes, he did. Seth Gordon, according to Yoni, uh, did the bulk of the work today. So thank you to <laughs> Seth for all of his help. And right, of course, the ice, yes. Of course, thank you to both Jamie Turkell, who's on our social media front line, and to uh, Rummy Finkelstein, who was on our uh, programming and archiving front line. And ZK, I heard, also was helpful today as yes, well. Yes, he sent some wonderful snowmen uh, emojis in the group. <laughs> so wishing you. us cold, yes. <laughs> wishing us good luck. <laughs> right. So thank you to ZK. And a big thank you to everybody at Amit, Andy Goldsmith, and uh, the lay leadership of Amit, and all the people that joined us on air today. They really do have a very, very full-functioning organization which continues after all these years to be young at the age of 92, which is a pretty <laughs> remarkable thing to do, frankly. Special thanks to our Jewish Unity Initiative Chair, Mr. Yes. Uh, Simon Jacob, and uh, to Barry Jacob for joining us. Uh, who are we thanking? Aish. Aish. Of course. Of course we're thanking Aish. We take this opportunity to thank Aisha Torah. Are you kidding me? Yes, he's the star of the show. That's correct. My Bergen Company and to everybody, <laughs> my Friedman and Company, who have been so – and by the way, when they say they'll welcome us back, I'm really getting the idea now <laughs> that they will welcome us back. Right. They take better care of you than we do. <laughs> say the least. That's true. So thank you very much to everybody here at Aisha Torah. Uh, it has been a glorious day and a wonderful afternoon for us as we presented JM and the AM in this unique fashion with Harabayat, the and Temple Mount, right behind us. Nahum, I want to thank you. Thank you. We are the only ones doing this. There's we are nobody the, else doing this. We are the only ones here. We are the only ones doing this, and it's a testament to you. So thank you. I appreciate you. it very, very much. Coming up next, Bite Size with Yoni Pollock. Is there a show today? <laughs> Bite Size with Yoni Pollock at, 12, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. It'll be, don't tell me, Avrami with a yes. live lunch. And then tomorrow we will be at we we will be likely with our friends at the Inbound More Hotel, than likely. And that will be and we will be joined by, by our, our friends, friends from Atarat Kohanim. At Atarat Kohanim. We'll be joined tomorrow by our friends at Atarat Kohanim. Correct. And we wish them Hatzlach on their dinner tonight. We here. certainly do. And if it's a familiar backdrop to our listeners, because we're going to be back on the porch of the uh, Executive Lounge of the Inbound Hotel. Correct. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at uh, NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Big thank you to everybody out there for participating with us in this amazing celebration of 50 years of the reunification of Jerusalem. Thank you again, Amit Eisha Torah. Those who have Mizrahi, who've made this, all have Correct. made this an amazing week for us so far. More coming up tomorrow with our friends from Ateret Kohanim. And, um, and what else is there to say? Chag Yerushalayim Sameach to all. Amen. The, the, the white and blue continues to furl and, uh, and twirl all over the place through circles of dancing and through flying flags behind us, in front of us, and all around us in this beautiful and glorious city of Jerusalem. Till tomorrow, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.